Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yes, we're here for Ray Parlor. What are you looking on? Yes, we're here for Ray Parlor. How was the pencil trick he was looking at? <laughs> How are you, Ray? What, 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 what a day we've had so far. Oh, brilliant, that. lads. I've really you, enjoyed your company. Have you enjoyed it, though? Absolutely. It's good fun to be with you guys. And he's only up the road to me, so he's even. We'll come back to you. Oh, you've made, it, you've made a few quid, didn't you? Oh, cleaned up, you know. Oh, we are here because the Fair Play app is sensational. We've done a wee bit of it. The film was dead quick, wasn't it, as well, did they? They didn't do a lot of takes today, Ray, did we? But have we finished it? It's only been three days. I bought my passport and all sorts. Where are we? Would you get a technique today for the freeze? Well, mine was sensational because I won, didn't I? I thought you both good. I can see you play quite often. Yeah, what about him? Not so much. No, you're all right. about that. You can ping it. You didn't actually do that in a game, though. You side-passed it every game. The best thing about what we do, though, is... When he ain't filming this, when we're booting balls everywhere and it, you know, and the chat, yeah. you get you get lively, didn't you? You have a and laugh. The, the, chat, you, the thing you used with them is you're slapping each other's ass. That was brilliant. I love <laughs> oh, the way you. Brilliant. I love the way you done that to me. Nobody's ever done it like that before. Oh, that was that was amazing. That's why you you know you're single now. Well, see if you wanted a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you enjoyed it too much. <laughs> hey, come on, me man. Uh, You'll get over it. <laughs> we need to tell people about this because this is sensational. It's something that I'm going to do with my It's mates. a great idea, by the way. Sit in the booze with your mates. So I'll go, yeah. I think Man City are going to win. He says, I'll go, well, yeah. I think Liverpool, you can bet each other t- £10, £20. Unbelievable. Great, great idea. App. And you know what it's like these days? There's not as much cash around, is there? People need cards, especially the young generation. My generation is oh, still... Oh, you've got millions. They're still readies. They're still readies around. We call them readies down yeah. here, by the way. He's probably thinking, who are they, readies? And I've got five young children and they've all got cards. It's, Dad, can you put some money in my account? Not give them cash because they say, no, come over in our account. So it's a great idea for that sense. And you can bet on anything. It's great, isn't it? You know, we can have a game of... You know, say 10-pin bowling, we can play golf, we can play shut the box, which I play regularly down my local pub. Brilliant. And you can all have a bet against each other, and it's bomb on the app. So, great idea, fantastic. You you can tell I'm that, certainly going to be on that. You can tell that Fair Play have gave him a few clips. He's been up there. He's, he's, a salesman. he's a salesman for Fair Play. Did you sign me up over there? He's better than a salesman. Tell him the pattern with the Scottish notes so earlier. Yeah, I don't know where I got them from, to be fair. I think, ten, I think what, someone what's that worth, about eight quid? Yeah, some, someone owed, owed me some dough from last Cheltenham. And we were going back 10 months, and I've only just seen him like, lately, and he gave me an envelope, and I had a load of Scottish money in it. Was it Brazil? No, it wasn't Brazil. I, well, I'll give him to Brazil, though, when I see him. Maybe McCoyst. Uh, McCoyst. Are you heading to Cheltenham? Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, you got to go you to You love there, don't you, mate? You love that. Cheltenham is the, probably the best week 
because it's, it's, it's hard work. They're a long time though, mate. It's hard work. We go Sunday night, we get we leave Sunday afternoon, me and Al will drive down to Ligham Arms, which is beautiful, Broadway. And then we stay in Ligham Arms every night. And then we go to John Joe Neal's yard, Jack Dawes Castle, which wow. is amazing. So we would see the horses out half past six, half past seven in the morning, come in, you know, doing their gallops up and down and whatever. And we sit there and we usually have a, a bottle of bubbly about eight usually because you've got all the owners coming in. It's a, like a day for the owners. And then we have a great afternoon uh, in uh, Chippenham Camden with Eight Bells, which is a magnificent pub as well. That, didn't you? And then, bang, show Tuesday. Um, I, won't do, I won't do the show's Tuesday. I think Ali will be on it with Alan. And I'll do... Then I see Alan Friday, but every day we're there, hospitality. But oh yeah, and it's it's a it's a great day out. It's a proper it's proper racing. I love the old um, over over the jumps. Royal Ascot's totally different. You know, Royal Ascot's great, but it's not as good as Cheltenham. Yeah, Cheltenham's... But you, you said that Ambersall rides a horse naked. Why is that? Well, he has been on an horse, and he's a big horse. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right, and what's your best Ambersall story? Uh, no, I just love Al in general. I mean, first time I ever met him was funny because. This was going back a few years now, and my first ever show I'd done with Alan, I thought he's in build professional. I come in at half past five in the morning, we're on at six. Now, I've never met Alan Brazil in my life. Can you imagine this, right? So I'm walking in to meet Alan for the first time, and we're doing a radio show for four hours. I walk in at half past five, no sign of Alan Brazil. So I'm sitting there going, where's Alan? Well, you know, I'm sure, I thought he'd be doing all the homework about stuff and whatever. All of a sudden, the door comes open about six o'clock. Alan walks in. Oh, yeah, dude. I say, oh, what are we going to do first? Oh, we make up as we go along. And that's how it was. And that's why he's such a good broadcaster because it's not all about what's on your script, like you got there. You've got to make up as you go along. And that's, that's the banter you get. Yeah. Uh, and that's what people want to hear. And, and we had such a great show that day. And then we went out after the show as well, and I got in about four or five in the afternoon. And I always remember my missus saying, how did it go today? I went, oh, I fell through the door. I said, brilliant. Nicest man you'll ever meet, Alan. And since then, we've been good mates, you know what I mean? Have he weeks me, me every day now. Have Alan. you got a best day one? A best day you've had done? We, I've been Monaco with him, Grand Prix. We, I was, we was 100 yards from the track, didn't see one car. We stayed on a boat. <laughs> And all we done was re- he didn't move for ten hours, Alan. He just sat there drinking all day. And I, I don't think he went to the toilet either. I don't know if he had a nappy on. I don't know. But, <laughs> but Alan, uh, wherever you go with Alan in London, he knows everybody. He's like a revolving door. So someone come and have a drink with him. They go back to work. Someone else will come in. Right. Go back to work. And Alan just sit there all afternoon. A champagne he drinks as well, isn't it? Well, he, love- he drinks anything really. I mean, he's on the wine at the moment, I think. But he's he's an absolute legend and the best broadcaster I've ever worked with because I see me, hey. He's been there 22 years, and if you go up and down the country, he's got so many followers you know, everywhere. So, absolute genius what he does. I really. love the, the pop- and people forget. Thing. Sorry, people forget. He's a bloody good footballer as well. He was, in his day, he was, he was a top. He played, he played for Scotland. I know it's easy to play for Scotland, but. You know. <laughs> But he played 13 <laughs> times, 1982 World Cup, you know. Oh, yeah. So p- people forget that he was he was um, he was a good footballer. Jake, he could come on here. Who, Alan? Did you get him on? Have you got any pool? Oh, Alan will always come on. Could yeah. you give him a message? Should have been sitting there. What I about McCoy's? Did you have a day with McCoy's? Ali's top class as well. Yeah, we've been out golf, and yeah, he's a great guy, Ali. Good stories. Yeah, yeah, Gaza. Got some great Gaza stories. Yeah. When he was in his fridge in the middle of the night, and he got in his house somehow. Open his fridge, there's a burglar, he's gone down thinking there's a burglar and scatter in his fridge, eat, yeah. making a sandwich. Right, we're on to the career and what an average career it was. No, I'm kidding. Incredible what career. What a legend, mate. mate, or what a career it was. Talk to me oh. right at the start, coming through Arsenal, Youth Academy days. 
How was that as a young boy for uh, Essex? How did you get picked up for Arsenal? I was about 11 or 12. I played for Fulham first, nine years old, um, training with Fulham. And then the late Steve Rowley passed away last year. He was always at my dad saying, oh, can, why don't we come to Arsenal training? You know, and my dad was a West Ham fan, so he would love me to have gone to West Ham more than Arsenal. But in the end, um, something happened at um, Fulham. I think QPR Fulham, there was merging at one stage in about 1982, something like that. And all the coaches left. So I then went to my dad, dad, can I try Arsenal then? And he went, yeah, of course you can, son. And that's where it started and I loved every minute. But you, you um, stayed right next to West Ham training ground, you're telling I lived, I lived. My first house was right next to West Ham training ground. Um, and I remember going over there as, as young kids do, standing outside the training ground, seeing all the players come in, Billy Bonds back in the day, Devonshire, Trevor Brooking, uh, the, the, the older Frank Lampard, all them sort of guys coming in and, um, Remember queuing up like every other kid, asking for their autographs and whatever. But that's what kids did, didn't they? Mm. I mean, that was, that was a dream. And back in my era, there was no ever live game. The only live game was the FA Cup final. That was the only live game. You, you could see match of the day, obviously, highlights, but you never see a live game. Look at it now, we see live games yeah. every night. So football was a big thing in our family. FA Cup final day was the biggest thing in, in my family because my dad and my mum made sure three boys all sat there we all have our little orange juices and waiting for the uh, build-up to it. The build-up was the best bit when the coaches going down to Wembley and the big doors open and oh, that's amazing. My mm. dad would sit with his beer. So, Could uh, your dad play him? Did he play? Not really, no, no. He didn't play. I mean, he, he, he played Sunday morning football like everybody else, but he, he wasn't never standards that could be a professional or, ex, you know, semi-professional. Yeah. What age was it when you went into Arsenal at? Uh, about 11. And that's you on Yeah, 11, yeah. That's and then 14, you sign. I was playing Sunday morning football, which I love Sunday morning football, grassroots football. I what, say is now. Your boys club? Yeah, the club park road they were called. So mm. I see, speak to some of the guys now. And we had lots of players playing for Tottenham, West Ham, and, you know, a few from Arsenal. And that was a really good Sunday team. But at 14, you have to commit to Arsenal. So 14 to 16, you're playing every Sunday now for Arsenal Football Club. And that's how you develop, right. playing every Sunday with the teammates. And a lot of those teammates will be apprentices with you as well. And then 16 is when you go full-time. That's when it gets serious. Because Sunday morning football is Sunday morning football. When you go day-to-day, you're training every day, it's now dog-eat-dog. Dog. I mean, you're talking about 40 kids, 45 kids, and probably out of them 45, maybe three or four make it. Do you uh, always think, though, you, you are going well, to be one? You've got to believe you. You know, I, I left school with no. I, I left school with no qualifications. You know, I went. It wasn't a great school I went to. So my I, my mum said, "Look, what you do? I said, Mum, I got a job, apprentice at Arsenal. I won't let you down. I'll make it somehow." That's what I used to say oh. to my mum. And look, it might not have been that level. It might have been lower levels, but it's still a good living, and you still, you know, can have a great life being a footballer. But I got a few lucky breaks. You always need a few lucky breaks along the way. You always got to play well at the right times when the manager, George Graham's watching, reserve games. So would he come and, like and, would he come and watch you? Yeah, yeah, every now and again, youth team games and reserve games because uh, he's got to keep track of the young players coming through. Yeah. Um, and what we used to do every Friday, um, George Graham would set the youth team up against the first team, whoever they're playing. So they're playing Liverpool, the way they play, we'd be able to play like Liverpool and see, you know, that's how, right, this is how Liverpool going to play. But then, as a youth team player, you're trying to like, try that yes. a bit more, to try and impress. And you get the first team going, stop running, stop running, stop running past me and all that sort of thing, saying, well, don't, you know, just go through it nice and easy. 
but you're trying to impress the manager then. So that was always interesting. And a few of the guys went, oh, we, we, you was always there, tip for the top to get to the first team. Was but, so was it these sessions that George Graham seen someone in you? Or was it playing games? No, no, you know? it's probably games as well. It's a bit right. of a mixture of everything, really. So do you remember the first day when you got called up to go and train the first day? Um, I'll tell you, my first ever time, I was training with the first team at the time, but my first ever away trip I went to was Norwich City away. I was 17 years old, so I got to train up there on my own because someone had got ill in the... In the um, and in those days, it's free subs only. Mm -hmm. Um, someone was ill in the, in the, uh, went burn, the hotel, it won't win the burn. <laughs> the shits, Pat Rice, Pat Rice weren't feeling well either. And um, so I'll, tr I'll travel up there and I'll meet all the players and this is like, now you're big time now. And then you gotta have dinner with them all and you know, you're like a bit nervous obviously. Uh, and the funny story about this was Tony Adams, probably he was the only man I knew quite well because he lived around my area and the same scout and whatever. And Steve Rowley always said, Tony, look after this kid when he comes into the first team. I was like, okay. So I said, all right, Tony. He went, oh, Ray, you've got to do a speech tonight. Obviously, you always have to do a speech on the first tra travelling yeah. when you travel away from home. So I said, Tony, what do I have to say? He went, well, just thank the manager. Be nice to all the lads. Just say it's a pleasure to be here. Hopefully, I'll be here a lot more going forward. And just say something about George Graham's tank top because he loves people talking about his clothes. Now... <laughs> As a vulnerable young 17-year-old, I thought he was trying to help me out, right? So, bing, 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 he stands up. Right, we got a new player. Um, stand up, Ray, stand up. So I stand up. It's going so well. Saints boss for inviting me. Great to be around you, fantastic players. And I hope I can be here a lot more going forward. And by the way, boss, I love your tank top. And his face was like that. And all you heard was sniggers around the room. Like, can't believe he said it. Can't believe it. Because George Graham hated you saying anything about his clothes because he was like immaculate George. He went, you said enough now, son, sit down, sit down. And, they, <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and that's how you broke the ice with the first team because they didn't think I was going to say it, uh -huh. but Tony stitched me properly up. So but that's what football team's all about. That's the banter is, is the best. And was that like renowned? Is there a few people that got done with that for Tony yeah, Probably, there'd be people who had to sing, you know, yeah. as, it, as it, got, it got harder, if I'm being honest. Like Christmas time, we had to sing Christmas carols and things like that on a box. Do that, me, With like a bucket of cold water in front of you and all that. Uh -huh. So I sung Little Donkey most years, and Tony chased me around the singing ground because he was known as Donkey Adams, wasn't he? Right. Who was a big character in that direction when you first went into the first team? Um, so, well, Tony was a skipper. Then you had you had some very experienced players. David O'Leary, who's got the appearance record at Arsenal. You had the late Dave Rowcastle, who was a legend. Um, Ian Wright obviously was there. Quite intimidating when you went in there. It was, but I knew you could fit in straight away. I mean, I, I, he's one of them sort of like Merce, Paul Merson was there as well. Steve Bowl, Nigel, your mate, some character, uh, Lee that Dixon. <laughs> yeah, so it was. It was, but you've been you've been training with them as well. You've been right. all around and in youth team games, and and they used to watch the youth team games. If they're training on a Saturday morning and they're playing Sunday, which didn't very rarely happen in in that in those days. The youth team always used to hang around, and uh, sorry, the first team would watch the youth team. Right? Oh, that's brilliant. Isn't yeah, it? which is. A massive buff for yourself as well. Yeah. Was that a tough school when you first went in the, the, the first team in terms of you gave the ball away? Or drinking? Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> we're going to come to that. But in terms of you gave the ball away, would they be on you straight away? Were they a bit understanding? No, I think they're kid? understanding. I yeah, think they've yeah. all been there themselves, haven't they? I mean, they, they, you've got to have a few nerves when you're training with the first team and you're trying to do your best you can, but you're going to make mistakes as well. And you've got to learn from your mistakes. That's the, that's the thing, being a young player. You can make mistakes, but make sure you learn quickly not to do it again. Yeah. And if you can do that, that's why some players are better than others who can do that quicker. 
And then the debut learned, comes. You know? the deb- no, I never learned that. He never learned that. But see, no, is he I can see the- today's football. Uh, it's it's too many mistakes. <laughs> We're obsessed with people making their debut. They made the, the whole build up. But am I right in seeing you made your debut at Anfield? Yeah. Wow. How daunting. It could have been. It could have been harder debut, really. I mean. So when do you find that you're going to be involved? Um, do you know what it was? Early, early in the sea. Sorry, earlier that month, um, Arsenal lost to Wrexham in the FA Cup. And George Graham was going crazy, like the f- first team, I'm changing this, I'm getting more youngsters in. and So I got lucky really, because if they beat Wrexham, I might not have got an opportunity. Um, but you find out a couple of days before, it was a, I think it might have been a Tuesday or Wednesday night. It wasn't a, a like Saturday game, it was a midweek game. Um, and he says, right, pulled me to the side, you're playing Saturday. And you know, suddenly you think, wow, I've been used to playing in front of 200 people. Now you're gonna, now you've got 40,000 people. Were you scared they thinking about that? Or um, excited? You're excited, but you're also very nervous mm-hmm. uh, going into the game. But it was like an old rigid 4-4-2 back in the day. I had late, obviously Dave Rokos alongside me. He, he was a great help for young players as well. Right, stay with me, Ray. When I closed down, you'd be behind me and whatever. So Tony Adams. It was going so well. This, the debut was going really well to the 44th minute and boff. Penalty. I'll take someone down, Rosenthal, Johnny Rosenthal. And it was a penalty, which is a nightmare on your debut. When it was nil-nil as well, definitely if you're three-nil down, you get away with it. But it's nil-nil, going into half-time, a minute to go before half-time, Jan Mulby, I think, took the penalty, scored. Good player, there's some man I was marking yeah. in the field. Didn't move. He was always one step ahead. Didn't move, but great passing ability. Um, and, but George Graham was brilliant half-time. He didn't come down with a tonne of bricks. He went, well done, son. You're doing really well. Keep me going. Yeah, we are. You know, if he had a go at me, then I probably would have gone more down, into the shell. Yeah. But he, he knew that he couldn't have a go at me. He's made, I've made a mistake. But, you know, I played all right second half and then you're away then. Uh, nightmare debut, but in the end it was... Uh, it's one of the games you've got to learn quickly from making, again, making a mistake. Could it be quite harsh, like hard, George Graham? Because oh, yeah. to the outside, you looked like a, a strict... Come down, you're like a ton of brute. Yeah. If he needed to. But he knew the players, he, you know... Did you ever get that film? Uh, I, I got fined a lot of times. For two what? weeks' wages for everything. Two was, weeks' wages? Yeah, two weeks. used to be two weeks' wages and, you know. Mostly for going out? Yeah, um, being late at training, things like that. It Why were you late you were a young kid? Well, because he was coming around the M25. Yeah. I'm with Tony Adams a lot of the time. And he always used to get away with it, Tony, because George Adams loved him, he loved him. But, he, no, it was, he, again, you're learning from your mistakes as a, a young, young, young player that you can't be late, you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, and he's trying to teach you how to be a professional footballer, which is, is exactly what you want to be. Yeah. I just want to go back to the debut, Ray, but was all your family there? Who was there? My dad was there. Dad was there. My dad went up with a scout, um, Steve Rowley. So he was, he was in the director's box. He said, the, the best thing about my dad, he said, Kenny Dalgleish was alongside me. Unbelievable. Kenny Dalgleish was in the uh, director's box alongside wow. And he loved Kenny Dalgleish. He said, what a player he was, by the way. And did he, fo- did he follow you home and away for the rest of your career, your dad? He, he started watching me um, some of the games at home. And then he went back to West Ham. Because West Ham and Arsenal always played at home together. Right. So he, he was more of a West Ham fan, which was no problem. I scored up to part a few times. And me did you give him that when My you dad scored? would have been in the West Ham end. <laughs> I said, Dad, did you just ce- celebrate? He went, oh, I didn't know what to do, really. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, but that next year, he really comes into his own League Cup final. You stand in League Cup final. Yeah, League Cup final. That must final. have been for oh, your family. That was unbelievable, yeah. I mean, Sheffield Wednesday, it was a really weird season because it was two Sheffield derbies in the semi-final. Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United, and Arsenal Tottenham in the semi-final. Um, of the FA Cup, but the, the um, we played Sheffield Wednesday in the final, obviously, 
of the of the League Cup, and that was that was a brilliant game. Obviously, well known for what? Do you know, boys? He knows. Come on, tell him. Brilliant. What? Uh, Winterburn. Winterburn. <laughs> and Pat Rice is bust up. Winterburn dropped Stephen Morrow, the goal scorer. No, that was Tony Adams who dropped him. But Tony dropped the, the goal scorer who scored the winning goal in the League Cup final, Stephen Morrow. He picked him up to say well done and he dropped him behind his and he snapped his arm and got stretched off. Guess an air. Oh, for fuck's sake. And he was like, <laughs> the best moment of his life, now it's his worst moment of his life because he's been stretched off and he couldn't celebrate with all the lads and oh, we had to go to the hospital the next day with all hangovers, like, oh, do we have to? And he was in the hospital still because he had he snapped his arm. Wow. Him. See, on that social side, when did the, was it as soon as you get in the first team train, did they then take you out on the social side? Or yeah. Does it yeah. take a while to get involved in no, that? No, I think you straight out, really. So I mean, who, did somebody come and say, you come on out with us, really? Well, Tony Adams, he was, you know. Did he take a liking to you straight away because well, of the he, scout? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, it, I was travelling with him in the mornings in the end. Uh, at the start of my career, I probably didn't, but then, come on, you come in with me now and, you know. So how you how often would that have been, right? Well, going out? Uh-huh. Probably three or four days a week, oh. we'd go out. We wouldn't go mad, but we'd, you know, Cut Monday, Tuesday. Football was very regimental back in the day, wasn't uh-huh. it? I only play Saturdays, Sunday off, Monday, Tuesday train at Highbury, train hard. That's when they had the Tuesday club. Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday, play Saturday again. That's how it worked. So it's all, you know exactly where you stood with it all. And did you have uh, the same boozers that you would go every day? No, we go different places. It'd be North London, maybe Essex, uh, wherever, wherever. We try and mix up a bit. A lot of the, the guys lived in St Albans around that sort of area, so we, sometimes we stay up there. And oh, it's great banner. It's great. It fun. was funny. Uh, everybody was. Everybody. everybody Bold, yeah, was a great he? He, he was. He could drink more than anybody. Um, Merce was great. Tony, you know, he was always probably hardcore. About six or seven, we went out. And then on a Tuesday, sometimes all the, all the team went out. Then you go Covent Garden, maybe, because you're at Highbury, you can go to West End or whatever you want to go. You know what I mean? It, it, you could go anywhere you want because you knew you had Wednesday off. But a lot of the time, Tony would be ringing me Wednesday afternoon. Wait, where are you? I'm in the pub. So then we have a beer Wednesday as well in the afternoon for a few that. beers. That's brilliant. Would George give him the mind, didn't he? Well, he didn't know, did he? Would MD ever come in training, though? Steaming for the night before? Uh, you always stood away from each other. <laughs> so the ones who've been out, you stand at that end, I stand in the middle, you stand at the end. You stand together, the fumes of booze. <laughs> it wouldn't be good. Would George Graham ever come it? No. Never? No, no. no. George can't. George is, he's not a player. So would, would other teams be then, like, would you still be winning games of football? Like, was yeah, everyone else doing that? Everybody was doing that. Ah, exactly. The, the, the culture in the early 90s there was a lot of guys going out and whatever. He started changing in 96, was when more foreign players were coming in. Yeah. A lot more professional, a lot more um, non-drinkers, if you like. Uh, but, you know, suddenly you're thinking, well, we can't do as much what we used to. And I think the whole culture was changing. Wenger come in, obviously, totally different. Um, Tony gave up drinking, Tony Adams, in 96, after the Euros. So then started involved, so right, we've got to be a bit more sensible now. But the early 90s, most teams were doing it. So would you ever, would you ever play rough? Not really, no. no. I don't think you went that far. Yeah. I mean, Friday, look, people might have done it, but I've never done it. And I, I do call people liars if they say, oh, we was out Friday night, having a good time. No, you knocked it on the head. You know, the Thursday night, afternoon yeah. was probably a couple of pints, maybe. Thursday night you wouldn't go out and you get ready for the game Saturday. Um. But then you know you're going out Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You know <laughs> what I mean? So Incredible. My dad's a, a massive Arsenal fan. Was 
he, he asked me last night to ask you, where did the Romford Pele? Where did who start? Oh yeah, that? Mark Overmars that was in um, nineteen ninety eight and training one day. And little Mark, he was a, he was a funny little character, he great brilliant. player by brilliant. the way. Brilliant. He what would never be a Mark Overmars. He, he was a good player. Cocktail, wasn't it? He, yeah, he, he, he like he loved to having a bet and you know his own sort of characters. Right. But one day in training, I went round about three players, not me, Dennis Burke, smashed it in the top corner. Dennis, David Seaman didn't move. And little Mark Overmars run past me. He said, you are like the Romford Pele. Obviously, he's found out I come from Romford. And I said to him, you don't even know where Romford is. He went, no, I don't like that. And that's how, that's how we left it. But that afternoon, we had to take turns doing a press conference. So he was the manager and he was little Mark Overmars doing his press conference. And one of the questions was can you beat Manchester United in the league this year? Because they were the best team by a mile. They win it every year, more or less. Except like, well, Leeds early and Blackburn. Other than that, it was all May United. And little Mark Overmars said, we will definitely win the league this year because we've got the Romford Pele on our side. And they put it in the papers. What a guy. And that's how, that's how it stuck. See, on that, would you ever take any of the kind of foreign superstars back to your local in Essex? Mark Overmars been back to the Rush Green Social Club. No Club. way. We've had all them boys. We no. What day was that? Uh, it was just a normal Sunday. You know, we, we, all the boys used to come and every now and again we'll have a beer in, around our area of Romford. We'll have Baldy's been in there, uh, Mercy's been down that way, you know, all them sort of guys. Obviously, me and Tony live around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tony knew it anyway. And this, this social club we used to go in, there was a, it looked like a church. From the outside, you're thinking, oh, obviously, there's nothing in there. But when you open the door, it was electric. And, and whatever happened in there stayed in there. Brilliant. So if you fell over in there, put Tony down quite regularly. Could Overmars have, have a good go? No. Nah. He had have a couple of beers, but he's more wanted to have a bet. Right, okay. Mm. How what was Ian Wright like? Because he was a superstar at the time though, weren't he? Uh-huh. Oh, it was good as gold, right? He, he bubbly, you know, great for the dressing Would he come out? Yeah, he'd come out, yeah. He'd, he'd always come out every every Tuesday. He's a little bit different in that era. Do you know why? It's very very easy why. There was no phones around. There was no social media. There was no... There's no that. We, could, we couldn't stand at a bar now as a team having a few beers you get it'd be all over Instagram, social, uh, Facebook, it'd be all over Twitter. And that was the difference in back in the day. Now, look at the players now, whatever they do, you get taking a picture of just having a swig of a pint, oh, he's had four pints, and people put it on social media, which is a nightmare for players now, but we didn't have none of that. So it was a lot easier to socialise and get away with it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You couldn't do it now. The play, in our area now, you could be like, go back to the early 90s or whatever, and do what we used to get up to because you'd be in the papers every week. Nah. Was he was he quite a feisty character, right? Because remember the thing with Schmeichel or not? Oh yeah, righty, yeah. But would he have Fopper. it training and that yeah, as well? Would yeah. him and Adams go for it with each other? He, he was, he was, no, he was usually Dennis Burkamp as well. He was feisty. Was he? He'd no. leave his elbow there and, and whatever. What? Martin used to kick him sometimes in training, Martin Keown, and then it'd be, what, you're going to get this every week and they'd square up to each other. Stop kicking me and this is what you're going to get every week. And But that's what you had to have. That You have yeah. to have that bit of um, a little bit like Rooney back in, you know, yeah, yeah. similar. He's got a little bit of a, a nasty streak in a nice way, not in a, not in a horrible way. And a lot of the players had that in, in our team. Patrick Vieira, Keown, myself. Uh, you had to have that little bit of you could dig in as well. You could play football, but if someone tried to bully you out of a the game, then you have to stand up for yourself. And that's when we had good players to do that. I never that. thought Bergkamp would have that. I don't oh, know. yeah. Leave an elbow all day long. Uh, and it's uh, Dennis Bergkamp, he'd go like that. 
put his hands up. Oh, he can't be. He couldn't. There's no VAR then, was there? How good? If they look back at, he would have been sent off probably three or four times a season. He was brutal. Oh, Bergkamp is brutal. See, on the social side, was there any older players that were against it? Like David O'Leary does not like be one for going down the booze. He looks like yeah, he would. I thought he'd have grass on the mod. Yeah, I thought he'd have grass. It wasn't every week though. George Graham's moment. He wasn't every week. Yeah. Sometimes they they tried to find out where he was going and whatever, but they never found out. Never found out. But most of the weeks, it'd be the encore about seven or eight. And then after that, every now and again, you'll have the whole team out. Which is great if you're out for having dinner with your, you know, with your mates and you're an Arsenal fan and suddenly you see the whole team. And we was always good as gold with the punters. Yeah, can I have a drink, have a picture? You know, if they did have a camera. But not after, as I said before, lots of people didn't have phones then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't have many pictures and, you know, Even if someone's walking past with a Kodak, Camera and you, you have a picture of them. How would you have coped in the modern game? Oh, no, I'd, I'd stick to the walls. Would you? Eh? Of course you do, yeah. yeah. You, go, you, go by, you go by what's going on when you're playing. Yeah, so life for you, I got right? into the team and you could go out and have a beer. I, that's what I did. Now, if I got in the team and you couldn't do that, I wouldn't do that. Because you but, want to be a footballer. Yeah, he's also a big game player. Isn't it? But am I right in saying you started the, the FA Cup final against Sheffield Wednesday, but then... Got dropped on a nightmare. Did you have a shocker? Yeah, I had a shocker. I didn't want to say that was scared to ask. Do you know what? That was that was probably the nervous I've ever felt in a game. Well, FA Cup. I don't know because maybe growing up watching every FA Cup final. It was final, the biggest thing in the biggest thing in my household. And we stayed in a hotel three days before the final, which wasn't a good idea. Too much. Because you're thinking about it too much, then. Yeah. You, you always. We're under Wenger. We should travel the night before, like any other game, to a cup final. And then you're not thinking about too much. You you get out there like any other game. I know it's a big occasion, um, but that I was I was young. I was only 20, 20, 20 odd years old, and I think I just had a nightmare in the game. I played really well in the League Cup final. That's why he kept me in the team, and then he dropped me for the. Um, Did you know you were going to get dropped for the second leg? Well, you knew yeah. you've had a bad game. I got dragged off after about sixty minutes, and so you know no, that's hard, you're like. Yeah. And there's some good players on the on the sidelines, ready to take your position. I'm young as well. Yeah. And George Graham probably thought, oh, this is too big for him. Uh, we're going to put someone a bit more experienced in the midfield for the uh, second game. But he was still delighted that we won, obviously, 3-2. Andy Linnigan pops up with a goal corner. Um, and they had a really good team then, Sheffield Wednesday, I mm. tell you. So do you still feel part of it, even though you've not played? Well, you do, because you, you, you've got you the replay. Part, you're uh, in part of it, and you've got your medal. You always cherish your medal, because that's, that's, my, well, that's my second medal. But, you know, that, that, that was the one, growing up as a kid that you thought, can I get an FA Cup? Can I ever play an FA Cup game? And to get in the final was amazing. Would their would they celebrations be bigger than the usual during the week? I still celebrated, like I, I would have gone out, exactly the same Would that the be lads. three there? Oh, you would have carried on, because that was the last game of the season. Right. So you knew you had a break now as well. So you could go out for whenever you liked. Um, and would you just go away in the summer, a few of the boys? Um, that era, probably not. I would go away with my mates. Right. So our little crowd in my area where I grew up, we still had our mates and whatever. So you wouldn't go with the first team because a lot of the old guys were married and kids. I didn't have kids, but I would go away with my mates around my area. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and we had a blinding time. I miss, him, I miss him all the days, you know. Went to Bunny's to Alton Towers, you said. <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> Pat Rice, wasn't it? Pat Rice. Pat Rice, on Pat Rice the big got me the airport, to be fair. <laughs> well, I don't, this is becoming a bit... Another big, no, but another big game. A massive game, but... Is it right in saying maybe up against Palmer, the European Cup winners, 1994? He's a grim He keeps calling you up for no getting starts and finals. Did you know starting that, mate? I, uh, I didn't start that night. We got, we got hammered that night. Were you buzzing? I, I remember, I remember, um, no, no. It's probably that we, we don't play the We got hammered by Palmer, by the way, in the game. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But we had one shot on target, Alan Smith. Um, but after the game, we had a proper party. I mean, I, I remember my mate, 
got back, we got back to around the Billy Rickett, around this area where we are now today, and they had a pub around the corner near the station called The Crown, which our mate, me and Tony Adams' mate, run. So we went in there, we stayed there. I remember kids with, like, don't we get the old camcorders? Taking a camcorder, because we got back about three in the morning from that final, and we're still in the bar, like nine in the morning. All the kids are going to school. We're still in the bar. And my mate tried to put my medal in the fruit machine, which was even worse. Can you tried to put what? My medal I got. He tried to put it in the fruit machine. I showed him, he tried to put it in the fruit machine. And then we carried on all the afternoon. On a, on, we had a beer till about three o'clock in the afternoon, and we just crashed out. I can't drink no more. Oh, now you get to the stage, I can't drink no more. But I celebrated. I didn't play the game, but it was it was great to get you know medal and whatever. Um, and we, we we got away with that game. Is Adam, was Adam just thought, is Adam's a good laugh? Oh, brilliant. Oh, Tony, yeah. Watching him on Strictly and that. He yeah, like Tony a good, was yeah. such a good Some guy. Dancer, has he got like, a good partner in that? Do you know partner? what? As much as we muck about and we used to have a drink, he's done so well as well. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, a lot of sense. people who struggle with drinking and whatever they get struggle with, but he hasn't drunk since 1996, which is an amazing achievement because, you know, a, a sort of guy that always was drinking, Suddenly, just knocked it on the head because of his family and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So fair play to Tony. As much as we have, we used to have a laugh. He, he'd done the right thing for his his lifestyle. Amazing. Uh, George Graham goes was controversy. That bit, was that a bit of a shock that when he uh, he left? Yeah, it was a big shock. But when George, yeah, yeah, definitely. No one expected that because George was winning trophies and very successful manager. What he achieved at Arsenal was unbelievable. The '89 game, beating uh, Liverpool Anfield two 0 or '91. You know, he's a very, for the squad he had, very successful manager. But obviously, he broke the rules, took a bung. Yeah. He loved a bit of cash, George, to be fair. Most Scottish a, people do, didn't a, they? He took I a mean, bung to wear that v <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they love a pair of notes, Scottish people, didn't they? They love a pair of notes. So, <laughs> uh, he, done, he, done something, he got caught. I'm not, I'm not saying every manager done it, but, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's the one who got um, made an example of and lost his job, which was a big shot for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you struggle with that? Think maybe no, not really. Look, it's what it is. I mean, the most important thing then, who they're going to bring in as manager. I mean, that, that, that's where your career is going to go. That manager's gone now. He ain't coming back. So you've got to think, who they're going to bring in now? Will it help my career or hinder it? I don't know. Because some managers will come into the team. They might like you, and they might not. And that's the gamble you 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 you're waiting for the next manager who they appoint. And there was another uh, European final, but. You started this one. Sally goes. But he's got dicked again, huh? I remember the score. Nine I remember it, I remember a guy watching it on the telly. It's great to be a Tottenham fan, Nine from the halfway line. But yeah, we played we played okay as well. We should have won that game. Another Scotsman comes in at Arsenal. Bruce he's like a Scotsman's eh? Bruce Rilk. Ah, he came yeah, in. Your favourite manager. <laughs> well, I, I like Bruce. Earlier, I like Bruce. I thought he was alright, Bruce, but you know, they give me an, when he when the manager gives you a new contract straight away, then oh, yeah, you don't mind him, do you? Yeah, yeah. So he gave me, after a couple of months, he said, well, we're going to sign you up for a new contract. Oh, brilliant, fantastic. But I think the club was a little bit too big for him, if I'm being honest. He came from Bolton, no disrespect to Bolton, but now you're in London. He couldn't, under- and at that time, he was going out, he's out, Merson's doing this, he's do- and he just didn't know how to deal with it. Um, and I felt so- a little bit sorry for him because he came into it at the wrong time, probably. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't got me with Ian Wright, which is a major problem. Because Ian Wright was a big player at the time, uh, so he didn't last long. Why would that be that he didn't get on me and right? Was well, he, he, he was trying him? to tell him too much to, to play football, and he was saying, oh, "I did, you know." And Ian Wright's Ian Wright. You can't tell him; just let him get on with it, sort of thing. Um, George Graham knew how to handle Ian Wright. 
let them get away with a little bit more than others sometimes. Do you need to do that with sort of your bigger names? I think you have to. I think you have to look at your squad and say, right, we'll let him get away with a little bit more, but as long as he delivers at the weekend. What do you mean in terms of getting away with a little bit more? Maybe not working as hard as other people? Yeah, maybe. Maybe stuff like that, yeah. Um, Making runs when he should be and, you know, application in training. You know, it's, it's all about the Saturday. That's when you get paid. You don't get paid Monday to Friday. And certain players train hard to play well Saturday. Other players can go through the motions a little bit during the week, but you know they're going to turn up on a Saturday. Mm. And probably right, it was a little bit like that. He loved his football, but he, sometimes you take you know take it easy and whatever. And, and Bruce was probably drumming him, come on, he's going fuck, and he used yeah. to swear at him and whatever. You know what I mean? And Madrid just helped a bit at Yeah, yeah, right, I'd say that. And he was probably bigger than the manager at the time. He was the man that brought Dennis Bergkamp. I know he's, he wasn't the man that brought Dennis Bergkamp. He brought De- Dennis Bergkamp in. So mm. did, did you hear whispers as a player that Dennis Bergkamp might be coming to Arsenal? Um, not really, no. Did you watch it? Did you watch Italian football? Was it Fiat Milan, was it? It was Inter Milan, seven and a half million pounds it was at the time. That's big at that time. 1996. Um, but what, what a buzz everybody would get. I think they signed um, David Platt as well. From, from Italy. No, it's so, exciting. No, it's exciting. Well, you know, David Platt was still a, a good, solid player. Disrespectful. Um, <laughs> but he, he was, Dennis Bergkamp, he was going wow. And so when you first seen Dennis Bergkamp, you're like, what is this guy? Yeah, great trainer, um, great footballer. We, you can see that when, when he played, but his application to training was amazing. He, he trains a lot of British guys because <coughs> we always win in training, do enough. As soon as they say, oh, you're finished now, you go in, have a shower, go, try, uh, go have your lunch. With Dennis, he used to stay behind on his own and practice and practice, chipping balls onto the bar. And every now and again, I might say, Dennis, you want me to put some crosses in for you? Oh, do you mind, Ray? Yeah, no problem. So he's making you a better player as well by staying a little bit longer, doing a little bit more techni- technical ability. And his technical yeah. ability was unbelievable. So would he then in training that you would genuinely go, wow? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People said about the Newcastle goal. But people go, oh, was it a bit of luck that he that touch and he, you know, run round him? But Dennis, you see him in training, he would do something like that, you know. Was he on the pitch when he scored the Newcastle goal? No, I wasn't. I wasn't there, but obviously... The, been dragged, you'd been dragged, didn't you? Yeah, no, no, no I, I was injured. I, right. I wasn't even there. Oh, so you weren't in the stadium I, I wasn't there. even there, no. So that never surprised you when he scored that no, type of goal? No, not at all, no. He was that sort of talent. You're so, certain players, you think, well, yeah. I mean, even if he didn't, didn't mean it, he's never going to say he didn't mean it, is he? No. So, but I, I, I could see that he had that in training that he could do stuff like that. What type of guy was he? I was going to ask that. Great guy. Oh, Dennis question. Good as gold. As I said before, very feisty character. If someone kept kicking him in the game, he'd leave an elbow there and all that sort of stuff. The typical Dutchman, like Robin Van Persie. If you watch Robin Van, he's a bit more blatant. Yeah. He would go and do someone and, you know, but Dennis was very clever. He did it in a nice way. There's no no VAR. There's no one look back at it. But he knew exactly when to do it. And when when the geezer went down, he'd be like that. Oh, and the referee, because it's Dennis Burkamp, might have gone, yeah, oh, he wouldn't be, do that. Yeah, He's not that sort of player. So would, would, there be, would there be fights in training in that with intensity? Yeah, there'd be, some, yeah, be, there'd be yeah, squaring up to each other sometimes. I mean, Mar- Martin, Martin was top, top draw though. If you want to get yourself ready for a game, Martin, go, go against Martin because he'd be digging you. And you know and that's what you get every weekend, by the way, a centre forward in, in the Premier League. But every now and again, he went over the top Martin and then Dennis would square up to him. And it, you know, that's what he was. No harm in intent, no you know, no problem. Shake hands at the end of it and get on with it. I love that figure. But you love Martin on your team at the weekend. But he wear oh. the fucking red Puma Kings in training. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I don't know how to 15 pairs, Martin. He'd, he'd look at everyone. Oh, that one's too big, that one's too small because 
You, he had to be right in what he's... Are he, you talking about boots when he's Yeah, boots. Oh, right, yeah. I thought you were talking about someone else. Too big, too <laughs> what do you mean? Was, is it true Dennis Ber- Bergkamp was scared of flying? Uh-huh. Never, did your dad Did your dad, dad told me that as yeah, well. He was scared yeah. of flying. <laughs> what Nigel went about? <laughs> but what so did he didn't did he not go to there? No, he didn't, he didn't fly nowhere. Did, 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 did any players ever say, Come on, Dennis, just go on? No, not really, because he still played in in the Premier League, he didn't miss a game. I know, but surely in the big games. The Europe, Germany, European they? games are problems. So what you playing in Moscow? That's poor, that, mate, you're playing in Moscow, but we always just say to him, do the business at home, Dennis, and we ain't got to worry about going away. And he'll be brilliant at home. And he'll win this game maybe. And then we go away games and a lot of the time we qualified. If we really had a big, big game that was a two-day trip, he would he would go. He would leave on Wednesday. What, and he would drive? He, he'd get his brother-in-law or whoever to drive him where he had to go. If it was a massive game, I'm talking about if we don't win this, like a, to get through to the semi-finals of the Champions League or something like that, that, that extent of... But group stages usually... We usually breeze through, no problem. So he could he could miss Moscow, he could miss Pan. We always got Panathinaikos. He could miss that one because it's too far. But anywhere, um, Germany, Belgium, Holland, he would drive. It's, it's not the end of the world. That's crazy, so now. But Newcastle away was a nightmare for him always because we go Newcastle. He go up on the on the coach in the morning uh, about eleven o'clock. He leave with a kit man. So he'd jump on the coach with a kit man. We'd be training. He, Dennis is gone. Then we go to the airport at like three in the afternoon, jump on the plane. We, we land about five, half past four, something. It's not like an hour, hour and a half, hour flight. Coach will pick us up. We go to the airport and Dennis will be already at the airport, have our dinner. The way home was the worst thing for Dennis because we played a game. The coach would drop us with the airport. We'd jump on the plane and Dennis would be on that coach all the way home. On his own? Yeah, oh. with the kit man. Oh my God. So he's a film buff. He knows everything about films. That's all he did. Because he films. just sat and watched films on it. And he used to phone me up and I'd be in my front room watching telly and they'd go, Ray, where's Doncaster? I'd say, the long way you did it. He's got three hours. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't have a clue. And this was not Newcastle. It's a long way. That bloody, the A1. Oh. So, you know, he, he would get back at training ground at ridiculous time that's right? crazy 10 uh, o'clock at night 11 o'clock at night Rio, Rio was like going to summer in 96 was there intern managers that came in before Wenger came in uh, well we had Stuart Houston caretaker manager he was he was assistant wasn't he so he he, he was there uh, but after Bruce Rock, straight into Wenger right but Vieira comes in before Wenger well that was another Wenger signing right yeah so How, Wenger, so Wenger, Wenger knew he was coming to the club um, so he's so he David Dean right. get Patrick he moaned for you mate didn't he Remy Gard uh, Jules Gomondi there's a few French guys coming in that era am I right in saying Vieira was a wee bit untested because he wasn't a great AC, AC he was only young he was only young he was only young but obviously Wenger knew all the players from the French youth team and he knew every, he's tracked everybody Omri obviously had him at Monaco Perez he knew about he knew all the, the top talent in France and Elka you know, he got him an Elka for half a million pounds. Which wow. was amazing. He was 18 from Paris Saint-Germain. So Wenger knew exactly, and in that era, the market, he knew the market. He knew exactly he, Newcastle or Manchester United. They didn't know the players in France. He was much more British players were getting signed and that was it. But he knew the market and he knew how to bring, what players to bring in. But was there any worries for you that these guys were a wee bit untested? No, not really. No? I mean, you, for, from day one, Patrick Vieira, I was like, whoa, what this kid? His debut. I played a big part in his debut, by the way. Right, tell us. Sheffield Wednesday. We was 1-0 down. 
Um, I got injured 21st minute of the game. I have to come off. Who's my replacement? Patrick Vieira. And he, he had a blinder. What a game. We won 5-1 in the end, that, that, that game. And that was the start of his career. And everybody at Highbury was there that night thought, who's this kid in midfield? And we, I, was even, I was sitting on the bench going, who is this kid in midfield? What was he doing? He's just spraying the ball around. His presence was the thing for me, because he's obviously a big lad. But his skills, well, ball skills. He used to love the one where he chips it over the fella's head. He'd come in, he'd watch him come and close him down, and he'd just chip it over his head and run round him. But he always wanted it at small, uh, small spaces. And he, he, oh, yeah. If you ask him back four, give it to him. And he had three players around him at the time. But no, he, he could always take the ball anywhere on the pitch. Wow, what a player. But yeah, obviously he got better and better as he got older. And he made mistakes, obviously, at times. He had bad games, but what a career he had at Arsenal. Fantastic. See, when Rio left, did you have a relationship or older players at the club, uh, David Dean, where you'd be seeing who, who's, who, who you think? We didn't have a clue. So when do you first? When do you first? Well, David Dean was Wenger? the one. David Dean's been tracking Arsene Wenger for bloody hell. I think he tracked him at Monaco. Then he went to Grand Passy as manager, and then he's leaving Grand Passy, and that's the time, perfect timing for him to come into Arsenal. Now, if you ask me, who's the manager going to be? He's always going to be a British manager. Never going to be a foreign manager because I didn't think Arsenal. That's what the way they went. And David then told us one day, right, we've got a new guy coming in, Arsene Wenger. And everybody looked at each other and said, who is Arsene Wenger? No one had got a clue who he is. Ain't got a clue. And this guy comes through the doors. He looks a little bit like a school teacher, if I'm being honest. Everyone's like, he can't be a manager, surely. And then after day one... Can you just... remember what he said straight away? Oh, it? his focus was unbelievable. And he could speak perfect English, which is a big help. Foreign, any foreign manager coming in, you've got to speak English. I mean, we've had Capello, being England manager, couldn't speak good English yeah it doesn't work um, and the training methods were superb I mean I can't say enough about it. not disrespecting my other managers but he's always on the clock he knew exactly when the concentration's running out because footballers have concentration of say a span of 15 20 minutes and then you I start 15, 20 seconds. yeah yeah you start losing seconds. it you start losing a con you, you start losing the quality if you know what I mean and Wenger knew exactly when the quality is dropping in training and do something else and it, it changed it completely. So you're thinking about something else now. But then 15 minutes and boff, we change it again. And he was very clever at doing that. And what a trainer. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Had you, I mean, you kind of answered it there, but had you ever seen anything like Wenger? No, not at all. No, being brought up with all British guys. Did players and, react to that? A little well? bit, yeah, a little bit behind, I think. But people would argue that, you know, people like Sam Allardyce was above his time because he was doing all the sort of diet stuff and all whatever. He was doing all the analysis stuff as well. Yeah, all that analysis, yeah, and yeah. all that. So he was probably in front of his time at, at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but Wenger was, for me, training-wise, was the most important thing. That's where you get yourself prepared. And I, I've always said in my career, the manager's job is probably not down Saturday. That's your job. That's, yeah. that's the players, right? Monday to Friday yeah. is how you get the players prepared. Yeah. So my job is win the ball back in me. I know exactly what my job is. Person alongside me does. Person on the right-hand side, person over there does. Everybody does their jobs, then you win the game. Or you've got a good chance of winning the game. If two players don't do their jobs, then you've got, you've got a massive problem. Mm -hmm. And Wenger was very good at getting everyone prepared to know exactly what their job was for the team. Because you can't have 10 messes and individual. You can't have 10 defenders. You have to have a, a little bit of everybody to, to be a good team. You'd want 10 winter burns, wouldn't you? What do you have? Oh, <laughs> 10 winter burns. Pat Rice's manager. Pat Rice's manager. <laughs> 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 sorry, can I? Sorry, I su
I'm sorry for jumping into there. Was Wenger like? Did they have the hairdryer treatment almost? No. Was that Never. Do you think that's a side that he, he wasn't that sort of character? He didn't was like confrontation. Did no, so no. how would you know if he was angry with you? Just dropped you. And then so you go and see him and say, boss, and he said, well, you're not, you're not played so well. And, you know, and he, he, he could show you stats or what you did in the game and show your videos back. And what, the thing about Wenger, what he was so good at, he didn't jump down people's throats after a game. If you lost 2-0, and maybe it's your fault for a goal or whoever's fault it was, he wouldn't just hammer them. He would go away and look back at the goal 10 times and say, because well, sometimes it ain't your fault. Yeah. It looks like it's your man and you, the, your man's run off um, you as a player, but you might be covering someone else because he ain't doing his job. And Wenger would see all the bits and pieces of it. And on a Monday morning, meeting Monday morning, what was you doing for the goal? And then I say, I've seen it. I said, you weren't, he weren't tracking his runner boss. So I tried to cover him. Then my man's got in. So it's his fault, really. And we have a big argument, but he should love that. And then, right, don't let it happen again. And then we'll go training. He was so clever yeah. by watching it back because you can jump down someone's throat and it might not be their fault. See, when he first came in, did he make a point to like, maybe the English players that things are going to need to change into here, like diet, drinking? I think it was training. anyway. I think the so whole, he didn't need to say it to um, I think Tony Adams was a big factor because he would give up drinking, no drinking in the players' zones anymore, all that sort of stuff started happening. Then you start looking after yourself and you get left behind very quickly. Was there players that did get left behind you? Um, I think everybody went with it. Right. I mean, if you look at the old back four, Lee Dixon stayed there from till 37, Nigel, your mate. <laughs> He stayed there till later years of his career. And yeah, Martin stayed there till 04. Uh, Boldy stayed there as long as possible. Dave Seaman was there till 2003. Everyone went with this this guy because you could sense that we're going to be successful here. God, and, that's mad. And you want to be in, you, all years, wasn't it? You want to be in a successful side. It's, it's easy because you, you can see. Of, yeah, you could see. You could see the focus he had, and you could say, "Well, I'm, I, I don't want to be leaving this club now." Paul Merson left. He, he, he was probably the only one probably who left the club. Went on to Middlesbrough. He says he regrets that now. Well, he, he does, he never yeah. Bought in he, it, would, yeah. he would have, he would have won trophy, a lot more trophies at Arsenal. But did Wenger want to keep him? Probably did, yeah. I think he would have probably kept him. But Merson said, no, I'm, I'm leaving and, and that was it. So see, before Wenger came out, what would have been your typical diet daily as a, an Arsenal player? What? Would you, have, you wouldn't have, would you have to fry up that for your breakfast? Well, I'm, I'm talking about um, before a game, you'll have beans on toast, omelettes, you know, all that sort of stuff. It was, But we had a three-course meal under Wenger. Did uh, you? Half past 11 in the morning. A three-course meal yeah, before you played? so you have spaghetti bolognese, Dover sole, chicken. And you could have dessert, apple pie, maybe yogurts and stuff like that. Then you wouldn't be allowed no other food for the rest. No sweets, no sweet stuff, only water. No fizzy drinks or nothing like that. And, and then by three o'clock... You've had all the goodness, you've had all the... Because uh, what, what he didn't like, Wenger, and he tried to explain it one day, it was sugar content. Because your sugar, you... When I went to England, you had jelly babies in the dressing room, you were scoffing them, like... Yeah, but you get a high. But then suddenly, when it start, you get a massive low. And you could, yeah. could see two goals in that low, and then you lose the game. Yeah. But he had a general uh, pattern to say, well, you've had all this food, and you've, you've had a bit of sugar, but not loads of sugar. And you would stay at that level for the whole game. And that, that's, how, that's how he looks at it. And would you still sneak a couple of pints in after the game on a Saturday? Oh, all day long. All day long. You always have that? a couple of pints. I've been down to the local pub after the game. We beat Man United 3-2, 98. There was no booze in the uh, players' lounge. So me, Steve Bold, uh, it might have been Dave Seaman, a few of us walked down to the local pub with all the fans in. 
And my brother was in there, I said, Jim, get us a little bit cordon off at the back, tell, tell the owner, four of us are coming down for a beer. And we all walked in and had a few pints uh, with our bags, with our track suits on. Oh, yeah. and, the, and the fans were buzzing because we just beat Man United 3-2 and that, we, that year we won the double. And do you think he'd been, see if he'd found out you'd done that? No, he's all right. He'd, he'd been, been all right. right? Yeah. So he, under, he, he yeah. was not a change of completely? He, no, no, no. He, 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 he would let me have a beer, no problem. Yeah. He, he, he just don't go over the top, don't go too mad and... He, he, he didn't have a problem with that. Yeah. As long as you do it on a Saturday. Yeah. If you was drinking, say you come in on a Monday morning, which I've done quite often, when I got divorced, I was going out Sunday with my mates and whatever. Monday morning, I might have a, I stink a little bit of booze, but I've had a few beers in the afternoon because Sunday was the best drink of the week for me. Uh, Sunday's the best. I love Sunday yeah, drinking. Yeah. So I'll have a few beers, but I ain't got to play till next Saturday. And he, he'd go, Ray, you been out? I said, boss, how did I play Saturday? He went brilliant. He was really good to this Saturday. I said, I'll make sure I'm like that next Saturday. And then he'll let you off. And then it's all about the next week's performance. So you need to make sure you If I don't do it next week, it'd be down you like a ton of bricks saying, look at you, that's why, because you went out on a Sunday. You just like that, you don't mind a drink as long as you put the work in. You quite like Wenger, that's what you think about it. So he finished third in his first season. See, after that season, did you think, we've got this side here, we've got a top manager, we're going to start winning things here? I think he's a player he bought in as well. I mean, he plays some top class players. I mean, Petit come into the team over Mars. Uh, we had the famous back six, I call them. They call it the famous back four, but you've got David Seaman and Martin Keown, who left out of Lee Dixon, your mate Nigel, uh, Baldy and Tony. Uh, then you had, that, you, had that, you had that little structure in midfield where you had Petit, Vieira, myself and Overmars. Overmars was a flying machine, could score you 18 to 20 goals a season. So we let him stay forward, I shuffle across. Then you had Ian Wright, Burkamp and, and Elka, just signed an Elka. And he was lightning. Oh, I mean, I I've never seen Elka, a quicker player man. than an Elka. Was he quite? A, he's, he's almost, I think, an Elka say enigma in football. You uh -huh. don't really know much about him. Is that? He's right? quiet. Was he? But he must be really hard for any youngster, eighteen years old, Moving come to another country, another culture. I mean, he's used to being brought up in France and whatever, playing Paris Saint Germain. Now he's in England. Totally different for him. Uh, there's one occasion Steve Bold. He smiled, Nicholas. He didn't smile all too often. We started rubbing his back. Said he's got wind. He must have wind. Don't the old baby. <laughs> 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 and that didn't go down too well, but now he was, he was laughing in the end, he understood what he was trying to say, smile a bit more sort of thing, you know. How, how, the French lads, French lads were really helpful for him, right. there was Remy Gard, Jules Gomondi, they was all there already. So he, did, he didn't just walk into a dressing room with all English guys or British guys, there had a lot of French guys there as well, and they used to laugh at that, you know what I mean, yeah. they'd be laughing. That's how, how long in Wenger's reign did you see a, a difference in yourself in terms of performance? Oh, I played so much better did under you? Wenger. I mean, what, technically... You, did you see, was there a loss in weight? Yeah, a more bit, yeah well? I, I looked after myself a little bit more, but technically I've got so much better training. And Wenger used to say, stay behind, I'll do a bit with you. And he used to stay with you. If you wanted to, kick balls and control and all that sort of stuff. A little like we did earlier. I mean, not wasn't that quick, some of the balls. But it's all about first touch for me in football. I always say to kids now, right and left foot, if you can kick with both feet, it's a massive help for you when you're a young kid. But first touch is very, very important because yeah. get that ball out of your feet and then you know where you, you stand with the next pass. But I improved as a player technically because um, under Jules, it was a lot more, Jules Graham, not disrespecting Jules, but he got results, a lot more defensive minded. Don't express yourself enough. Make sure you tuck in front of the uh, right back to help him. Yeah. And he's not more, you're on the back foot, really. Where Wenger used to say, go on the front foot. You know, go and take people on. Go and express yourself. Go and hit a 30-yard pass. If it's on, you think. And, and, and go and do it. Yeah. And uh, he let you do that. And you learn that 
in training as much as anything. But yeah, I'll, technically I got much better. But you said that that was a competitive team, intense team, hard team. But your mate Nigel absolutely shot himself with the cannibal that day. Sheffield. Oh, Wednesday. brilliant! That was that was. Uh, that upsets did me. you rinse him for it? That was brilliant. That upsets me. No, Nigel. Nigel was a top. He was, he was a tough Brilliant. player, Nigel. Yeah. Great player. Brilliant. Not not, not many guys got past him. No. He always used to go to Grand Nigel. So if you chip the ball when he went, goes to tackle you, I chip it, and he used to. I knew Just how to play against because yeah. I see him every day in training. But most of the wingers didn't know how to play against Nigel. But yeah, that was funny. He got hammered on the way home. So it was the Canyon and Vieira at first, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Martin starting. Martin he always right. starts everything, Martin. But then it was everyone got involved and the Canyon lost his. Uh, do you remember the, the referee? He pushed him, didn't he? Alcott. Do you know, do you, yeah, Alcott. But Alcott. And the way he went down was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean. <laughs> It was all the way. What's he? What's he and then Nigel chased Decanio, and then obviously Decanio, like, the thriller, the thriller. <laughs> and he got hammered on the way home, Nigel. Did he? All the way home. What, going, Nigel, Nigel, Nigel. <laughs> was a hard, it was a hard, big guy, Nigel. No, he little pop belly, didn't he? He's like, he, he didn't did like, he didn't like doing weights or nothing like that. No, he just got on with it. But I'll tell you what, when he got in that football field, he, he, he was eight out of ten every week. See, see with Keown, you, see, you were obviously playing in front of him, could you always hear him arguing? Martin's a nutter. Was he? Yeah. Can you give us an example? No, he's just a lunacy on the pitch, wasn't he? If you, if you ask any centre forward, you do loads of these podcasts, if you say, who's the hardest character as a centre forward, you're asking centre forwards, who's the hardest uh, player you played against? A lot of them say Martin Keown. Would you be like, I'm talking about Mark Hughes, Shearer, yeah, yeah. all them sort of guys. They didn't want to play against Martin's like a rash. Mm. He's like, and people used to wind him up though. People like Teddy Sherry, let him have the ball, we give it back to us and all that. And Martin want to kill him, then he's really? like proper. But would Martin you, would, would you and Martin have ever go at each other on the pitch? No, not no. really. No, Martin was he, he was he was 100%. And I'll tell you now, if you, if you was going to war, you want him next to you in the trenches. Yeah, yeah. Because he'd never run away, he'd always be there to the end. He's one of them sort of characters who'd never he'd give his all to the end. And sometimes it wasn't good enough. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Don't get me wrong, and he'd, ever, he'd make mistakes, but he was 100% every single game. Did Wenger improve guys like him technically as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people, he'd play out from the back yeah. a little bit more because a lot of it was... Boom. You know, bomb. 
But yeah, I mean, my, it was a great. The back four was brilliant. I mean, Nigel, Boldy, Dixon. Um, but uh, Boldy was probably the most underrated player. Steve Boldy, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. What, he, what, played, what? he got one England cap. What? Great player. What, great in player. terms of what? Technically good? No, just a, a good round, all, def- all round defender. But he right. didn't get. There were so many good centre halves in England at the time. You had Pallister, um, you had uh, Butcher at the time, yeah. Adams. Adams was well in front of Boldy, so he didn't really get as many opportunities in the England team, but he was a good player. You said Boldy was the best drinker as well? Great drinker. But never got drunk, like? Could drink he for got this. drunk, but he knew what he's doing. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, he knew, he knew exactly when he's had enough and wouldn't fall over, wouldn't make a scene about, you know, he just be, Yeah. This was on, I can't remember the podcast it was with. Because somebody was saying Man City and Liverpool was one of the biggest rivalries in English football because of the standard. But it doesn't go near Man, no. Man United and Arsenal because, I mean, the quality of Man City and Liverpool right there, Man United and Arsenal were also there, the quality. Man United Liverpool as well. But the, there was a hatred there as well. I mean, maybe hatred, hatred's a bit strong, but... I would say so. Uh, it seemed like Ferguson and Wenger hated each well, other. Well, what Sir Alex Ferguson did, whoever was their biggest rival... Mind games. Mind games, and he was trying to upset you. After Arsenal went downhill a little bit, who come on the scene? Jose Mourinho. Chelsea. Chelsea yeah. now, they were the ones who were going to compete with Man United, and it was exactly the same there as well. But yeah, it was, it was rivalry, of course it was. Over the years, you go back to, I think it was 89, when there's a 22-man brawl at Old Trafford. And the only ones who weren't involved was, I think, Dave Seaman, or, or whoever it was in goal. John Lucas, maybe, who might have been, I can't remember who was in goal now. But the rivalry has always been there, uh, but he, he, he stepped up a notch when Wenger come in. He was there when George Graham was there, no doubt about that, because there was good mates, George Graham and Sir Alex, both yeah. being Scottish and, and whatever. That's when the only time I saw George really drunk getting on the bus on the way home. What was George, that? He, he would go and see Sir Alex Ferguson and he'd go, right, everyone on the bus at six o'clock, so we'd try and knock three pints back in the Man United <laughs> players out as quick as we could. And he'd be like, rush to get out of the showers and just quickly get in there. And then George would come in about, um, on the bus about half past six usually. And he staggered up the stairs of the bus. He couldn't walk. Where Ferguson's had him on the old whiskeys and all that, all the whiskeys. And, and uh, he used to fall asleep at the front, George. And then the lads, some of the lads had a stash of beer at the back. That's you know, incredible. That's when it all come out. You know what I mean? Because George was asleep down the front. He couldn't see what was going on. We need to bring days back, didn't we? We need to good days back. But George, yeah. But there was a rivalry there as well between... Um, but then Wenger come in, didn't he? And he was very clever, Wenger. He, he knew how to wind Ferguson up the time. Did he? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think Jose Marino knew how to wind both of them up. Ah, he had. Wenger and uh, Sir Alex. Would Wenger speak about Ferguson to you? No, I, to be fair, everybody knew it was a big game because I'm just looking at their main United team. That was brilliant. I mean, there, there was a mile above everybody at that time. Was that the hardest team you played against? Oh, all day long, yeah. What was so and good I'm not being rude to Spurs, and Spurs is a totally different uh, game now, but well, that wasn't a big game for us. I mean, it was a North London derby, it was big for the fans, but, it, it, you know, usually you could you knew you beat Tottenham in my era. Mm-hmm. Man United was the one. If you got four points home and away against Man United, you've got a chance to win the league, and that's how we looked at it. Um, but... Would he prepare differently for Man United? No, not really. No, no. But the players knew what was at stake. You know, I mean, we've had some massive battles, didn't we, over the years. I mean, going back to the 2 when we won the league down, but we got 98 was a 3-2, I can't remember, when we beat them 1-0 away. 
The, uh, that, that's how we won the league that year. But was it well done? Eh? No, no, that was 202. Uh, this was over Mars, 1998. Right. An Elka flick on. Uh, uh, we won 1-0 and we went on a, a run of 10 games unbeaten. Or we won 10 games in a row, sorry. Um, that won us the league that year. So the rivalry was there and he knew he was a big challenge, Arsenal. Then 202, obviously, going to Old Trafford to win the league. Imagine Sir Alex Ferguson saying, don't let these Cockneys beat us in Old, Old Trafford. Um, and then obviously the big one, 04, the invincible season when That's amazing. We, we all lost the plot a little bit at the end of the game against uh, Van Nistrooy. Uh, and you look back at it and you, you do regret it a little bit. It was a little bit out nah, of order. fuck it. That was no, it was yeah, it was a little bit out of order. So were you on the pitch for the penalty? Yeah, yeah. I, I got a 10 grand fine for that. Did you? Yeah, Martin got more than me because he started it as usual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lauren got fined and Ashley Cole got fined. So, Who's um, Lauren, your bird? Who? Lauren, your, is that your bird? Lauren. Oh, the right back, Lauren. <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> I call him Lauren. Is he a good player? Yeah, very good. Is he? Underrated, very underrated. See, see the man you're right? Was there personal jurors in that as well? So, could uh, you obviously uh, played right mid? Yeah, could you, you hear you, Vieira you, and Keane going at it through the yeah, game? Yeah, you, you kick anyone near you, really. I mean, he's one of them where I'm sure after the games, the physios were going, right, what have you done? I've got, well, I need an ice pack for that, that ankle, that knee. And they'd be the same in that dressing room because you yeah. really was committed and, you know, you knew it, it. You knew it was a massive, massive game in 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 the, in the season, and that was a that was a vital miss for Van Nistelrooy because you know what happened after that. We went unbeaten, yeah, and that was in September. He missed that penalty, so if he scores that, we can't come back from that. Mm -hmm. It's 89th minute, 90th minute. We lose the game and we don't go unbeaten. But that's how fine lines it was between Arsenal and Man United. If you go back to the semi-final, 99. Burkamp misses a penalty Gags against Michael. Off. Ryan Giss scores a one the goal. They end up going to win the treble that year. So we should have been probably beating them with that penalty kick. You know, another Camp puts in the other corner. We go to the final. Possibly we could have won a the double then. So that's how that's how fine lines it was between Arsenal and Man United. Who was era. your best player? Their best player, player? Roy Keane, was very important for for, uh, for for Manchester United. He bossed everyone around and. Uh, but they had some really good players, didn't they? Giggs was unbelievable on the left. Beckham was totally different because he'd get out of his feet, whip it in. You know, he, he wouldn't go past the player. He didn't need to. He'd just cross it. Scolzy, oh, you know, he, he'd ping balls all over the place and score you a goal from midfield. All, all over the pitch, they had quality. And, uh, you know, there was, there was a top side. They won the league. Uh, but, say, so just before that, I'm just going to go back into the main games here quickly. Remember he, he scrambled with Kevin Keegan seed, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he done him, yeah. But did you ever see, I mean, later on, I know you said Wenger was really clever about it, but did you ever see sort of later on that in training you could see Wenger was affected by it? Um, not in my era. I, I left 204, so I'm, I'm, I left on a high. Because it did seem like... I, I reckon left. probably it did on the latter, latter stages of his career while I threw through when he was struggling. Jake, it was up in the crowd. A little bit jaded, yeah, he looked a bit, you know, a little bit lost. Because what he, what he lost when the older generation left was the dressing room. He had to start dealing with people. He had to start, you know, yeah. if you weren't doing your job, he's, he had to tell the person he's not doing his job. Where yeah. probably in my era, it was a little bit more, the players would do it. So if you weren't doing your job, I'd go, what are you doing? Right, Tony Adams would have a go at me. What are you doing? You're affecting my game era. And we're sorted out between us. And Wenger wasn't that sort of character. And I think that's how he lost his way a little bit towards the end of his reign at Arsenal. But you can't argue with the record yet. No, to win seven FA Cups and Premier League. Yeah. First title secured against Everton at home, I remember it. Tony Adams scored, didn't he? Yeah, what a, that's my favourite goal ever. 
Left foot. Because you could have gone anywhere. Yeah. Usually in training, that would end up with Rosehead or, you know, over the fence somewhere uh, in the field. But he just caught it. He just stands, doesn't he? Like yeah. That. And that's his statue outside the stadium. So Incredible. And obviously, Tony, with what he went through, um, you know, he had a really dodgy part that season as well. I think he missed a few games it, it, mid, mid through it with injury. But he come back and... Uh, Score that goal was amazing. I mean, that was and who who it wasn't Nigel Whitterburn that set him up. Who set him up? We've Pat, been talking about him earlier. Pat Race, Steve Bold, Steve, Steve Bold set him up. One centre back to the yeah, to the other centre back. That's a, that's an amazing part of the goal. He just used to maraud past you sometimes, Tony. Go, where's he going? You know, he run past you as a midfielder, but every now and again he done it probably twice a game. But on this occasion, he got he got it right and got it out of his feet and wang four one. That must be a proud moment for you, obviously. First oh, title with the club. Unbelievable. You've been at it since you were a kid. That was, and it was rocking. I mean, Talk I, us through that full day. I thought, I thought the North game, Bank was going to fall, fall down. It was like bouncing. It's like people on, in this North Bank area. And the day was just a, a normal day. That's why Wenger was very good. We knew, there's, oh, you know, we, we knew he just brought everyone back down to earth and say, look, it's another game. Let's get out there and do what we've been doing. Because sometimes you can overthink games and you can overthink situations. And I wasn't like that. I, that's why he picked me for most big games because I was a bit blase about it. I said, another game, just get out there and play. Especially when I got more experienced. Not, not, maybe not when I was 20, when I had a nightmare in the FA Cup. But as I got more experienced, I just treated every game as the same, whether you're playing Barnsley away or, or Tottenham in a cup final. You know what I mean? You try and approach it exactly the way... Um, and don't try and think about it too much. Because if, if you start thinking about, oh, I'm going to let him down, let my family down if I have a nightmare, you will have a nightmare. And that's, that's how I, I, I approach most games. And lucky enough, touch wood, it was good. The dad came to that game. He never went to West Ham, did he? No, he always went to the cup finals. And I remember him crying. When I scored in the cup final, he, was, he had tears in his eyes because he knew he it's brought us up to watch cup finals on the sofa and you know to see my dad my brother said he was in tears running down his face because oh, that's the best to see to that. see his boy scoring a cup final where he knew he knew it's such a big thing in our family growing up and as a little six seven year old sitting on the set having me orange juice he thought well, now he's scored an fa cup final and he was amazed like i've just scored if i'm being honest but yeah that, that's the sort of memories you, you stick my, my my dad's passed away now but that, that would always stick in my mind that he, he watched me score in a cup final, which was uh, which would have made his day. I promise oh, you. That's incredible. Yeah. So Ray, the double was complete. Beat Newcastle FA Cup final. Was that the greatest party you've ever had? Uh, I remember getting on the bus, absolutely hammered, because we had to take the trophy around North London the next day, which was a very proud moment. That was that was amazing. Was See, packed quarter of a million people wow. all around the streets. Yeah. We ended up at Islington Town. My dad was there that, that time. Was Genuinely, was I, he? he was working in London for a while. Yeah, ninety-seven, ninety-eight aye, was amazing. Because that was the first time we really cracked it from um, to win a double under Wenger as well. Oh, first yeah. first season. Um, we went out, yeah. I mean, Newcastle was a tough game. They had some great players. The late Gary Speed, Shearer, uh, David Batty in midfield. I, Stuart Pearce was against me on the right-hand side. He was, was tough to play against God, me, didn't he? He'd go through you. Yeah. I, I, he, he was getting to the later, later stages of his career, but what a player he was, Stuart Pearce. Um, but to, to win a cup final, um, again, 98, and I had a really good game this time. Because I was always thinking about the 93 game a little bit in the back of my mind, saying I had a nightmare in that one. Right. And this was like, obviously, uh, five years later, so you're a little bit more experienced. But I had a blind, I got man in a match, which amazing achievement. And um, I think that season for me was the best season I had at Arsenal because I got player of the season. And to get on that, there's a big plaque 
where you've got some magnificent names on it. Liam Brady back in the day, Tony Adams, late Dave Rocast for one season, Burkamp, you know, to get on that plaque, to be player of the season, to win the double what was, that, that, that is an unbelievable achievement. That's probably better than having me medals, if I'm being honest. How was it? What was an Arsene Wenger team talk like before big games like that? Didn't say nothing. No, no. No, no. So it, he just, would he just come in and This is team? what usually would happen. So we'll have a, a, um, a walk in the mornings, cup final. No, no, so any other day. Sorry, any game. Any game, right? Away from home. Then we'll have a, a stretching routine for about 15 minutes before our dinner or our lunch. And then we'll have our lunch at half past 11. And then we'll all go back to our rooms, get prepared, have a shower, get your tracksuit on or whatever. Meeting at one o'clock. In a, in a room and he's got his flip chart and they go through the team they go through their team right this is where they're a bit weak uh, we can get at them do this do that but most of the work was done Monday to Friday in, in training grounds but then he just fine tune it sort of it yeah fine tune it a little bit and then we jump on a coach straight to the game and then we didn't see Wenger he go what? missing he go he go missing so there'd be no motivational, the, motivational speeches, nothing no, like that? No, he'd go director's box, he'd go and have a chat with all the directors and, and then he'd come back in the, he'd come back in the dressing room five minutes before kickoff, And he'd, he'd say, right, come on, we all know what to do, off you go. It. Yeah, that was it. Would the, players, would the players stand up and speak or say, Oh yeah, the players would be shouting, come on, let's big game today, come on, let's get out of there and you know your jobs, don't let, you know, get out there. And it, it, Wenger didn't say a lot, even oh. half time didn't say a lot. He was so he'd come in, recover, then we have a glass of water or a bottle of water. Um, and then he'd, he'd say something three minutes before we're going to go out again. That's it. He'd just so let that... you recover and he's all quiet. So... There's certain players that have a go at each other who's losing. What the fuck were you doing with a goal? And, and he'd just let you get on with that. That's but incredible. Yeah. See, if you, see if you were having a shock in the first half, he would never come in and sort of go through you. No, 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 no. There's certain players you can't have a go at. I mean, I remember Pat Rice coming in uh, and having a go at Robert Perez because he pulled out of a tackle. And Pat Rice's era, you can't pull out a tackle. Yeah. Not even an Arsenal shirt on. But you can't have a go at Robert Perez because he'd go in his shell and he, he'd go missing. And he was having a go and Wenger, shut up, Pat. Well done, Robert. Keep getting the ball. Keep, keep, keep moving. But he could still win you the game. He could still win you the game. He could, he could still do something in the second half, set you up a goal, get you back in the game. And I think we even went on to probably get back and win the game 3-2. What sure about that. after the game, Ray? Would he say, well done, lads? Or, and that was it? Or yeah, was... no, he just wouldn't say nothing. That's he wouldn't say a lot. He wouldn't say a lot. Trophies, not but, much. but then we'll have a meeting on a Monday. And you go through well, Yeah, and then he'd go through, especially if we lost. He'd go through everything. He'd watch the game 20 times over the weekend. Right. And look at everybody's position, who wasn't doing their jobs, who wasn't doing enough in the game. And then he'd now you all Monday. So what would you... Where would, in front of everyone yeah. then you might have a certain arguments with other players and whatever but that's how he liked it so he knows in the back of his mind he's seen everything and he knows exactly what's gone wrong so he's got proof to back yeah, up exactly. yeah exactly he can't yeah. sometimes you, you can jump as I said before you can jump down someone's throat and it might not be their fault yeah. so he was very good at that right. and then it gets serious mate, the, players that come in the king the king arrives Terry, Terry Henry did you ever see did you ever see Henry play for Monaco no. He played, I think it was, was it Man United in the Champions League once? I never seen He played left wing for Monaco. He was outstanding. For, for the first seven games, he wasn't for Arsenal. He, so he, 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 he couldn't hit a barn door. He didn't score for seven games. What, but, and was he the same in training? Hmm? Was he the same in training? Oh, he wasn't. We well, just lost an Elka, by the way. So an Elka was on fire at that time. What and we was bombshell gutted, this is? We was gutted when an Elka left. A massive bombshell. Because he could have been exactly the same as Henri. Um, 
whether he'd been as good, I don't know, but he could have been similar sort of standard, if you know what I mean. So do you think if at this point you were thinking... Well, he, he was left winger, wasn't he, for um, Juventus, so we didn't really know he was going to be an out-and-out striker. Um, but Wenger, again, using his brain, he, he had him at Monaco, knew he could play centre-forward, just like Sanelka, very similar frame, six foot two, perfect build, athlete, um, and he knew he could lead the line at Arsenal. But the first six, seven games, he was nervous, only a young lad as well coming in. Um, but once he got his first goal, it all changed. Lot, so much belief, confidence. I think he scored at Southampton, Dell. We won 3-1. And you could see the difference in training then. He got a little bit more confident. And then he scored another one the following week. And then all of a sudden, he didn't look back. He was unbelievable. Was he a quiet guy? No, Thierry was good as gold. He loved oh, yeah. the band. Yeah, he'd, he'd give it to people who weren't doing their jobs. And he was very he passionate. He was very passionate about winning games. And yeah, he was a leader. I mean, he was a good leader in that dressing room. See, for all the amazing players that he's had, was he a level above everyone else? Oh, people, if he wasn't doing his job, people put him in his place as well. And he knew that. No. And he liked that, by the way. He liked, he liked being saying, right, you know, right, I'm going to respond to you and whatever. But he was, a, he was different class. He, he, he developed into an amazing player. At the start of his career, he wasn't great, but he improved, like I did probably under Wenger. Wenger improved him unbelievably. I mean, day-to-day -day training and technique and the way he used to pass the ball into net in the end, didn't he? He yeah, opened his just... body out, right foot, and you know he was an unbelievable striker one on one very rarely missed because you knew exactly what he was going to do just pass it into that far corner and he always played off the left hand side didn't he yeah yeah left it to but great player I mean I thought no one would beat Ian White's record no one and he beat it by 50 goals I think it was so would Henri ever challenge Wenger in the dressing room if he wasn't happy with certain things um, because he did become so big a lot of it was behind the scenes so Wenger was very good with personal stuff as well. If you had any problems, he would always try and do the best for you. I mean, you can go see him one-on-one -on -one and say, boss, I've got a bit of a problem, what do you think? And give advice, really. He was like a father figure for all the French lads, Wenger. And, and Henri could go and see him whenever he wanted and talk to him about his form or what do you think, boss? Or like, you know, and, and Wenger just give him his honest opinion, what he thinks being a, a, a person and you know he was very good like that Wenger very good Is he and that's why, they, that's why they stay so long the French guys mm -hmm. Pierre was there 10 years Henri was there for 10 plus years Burkamp 10 plus no, no one really left because they enjoyed probably working under Wenger could you do the same yeah absolutely yeah. of course you could yeah I remember a great story when he came in one day he was taking a mick out of me really Wenger and he's, he had a very good humour side to him and I just got divorced and in the papers he said, my ex-wife tried to save my career by not letting me go out all the time and do this, do that. That's why she's got so much money. Right? <laughs> so Wenger's going around, he's gone, oh, because in the medical room, everybody's getting strap-ins in, in the morning of training, he's packed in there. That's where people used to like, congregate and have a chat and whatever. So Wenger comes in and he goes around all the injuries. Oh, how are you doing? I hope you're well. So he goes around, comes to me. Ray, hey, how are you, boss? He went, Ray, I've just read the newspaper. Bad news, your wife got lots of money for uh, saving your career, she said. And he all went quiet, right? So I went, yes, boss, bit of a nightmare, really. He went, I saved your career, where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> and he walked off laughing. <laughs> and the lads all oh, started that's laughing. Nice. But that's, that's what you need sometimes. He, he, he loves you having a laugh. Uh, so you're like the, it's very serious on the training field. You had to do exactly what he told you and bang, bang. But off the training field, he wants you to go in the canteen and muck about, throw a cake in a chef's face and things like that. He used to love all that. Mate, another massive player comes in, Saul Campbell. 
Yes, Al. Is that yeah. unheard at the time? I couldn't believe Spurs it. Didn't... I was amazed. So where did you first read about this? Papers, pal, Yeah, it was agents. papers. No, papers. And so, I mean, I, I'd never thought he'd come to Arsenal. I'm not being disrespectful for Spurs, but I've never gone to Spurs, coming through the ranks at Arsenal. And probably the way he did it as well, because he looked like he was going Barcelona and he went on a free transfer to local rivals, which is unheard of, really. Um, but Sol, pretty fair to Sol, he said at that time he wanted to live in London and Arsenal were the best team. Best team, eh? If it was Chelsea, he would have gone Chelsea. Yeah. There was nothing against... He went there for the sake of... Because it's against Tottenham. Um, but Sol, what a player. Oh, I mean, top player, wasn't he? He was just a stopper. He, yeah. You know, he, he, was, he was a white on the ball, but he was a great defender. Did you I mean, all wind him up, Ray? The players, when he, when he signed, did you all wind him up? Oh, yeah. I said, you can't believe what you're doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and when he wanted to be mayor of London, I said, why don't you go down to Tottenham High Road and get... <laughs> Folks, old Campbell. I mean, he might, be, might have got a few petrol bombs thrown at his jersey. But, but you know, and the, and the worst game I've ever played, I played some in North London derbies, and they're all feisty. You always get a bit of stick and whatever. But the worst one was Sol Campbell's first game back at White Lane. My God. Was that the most it was like Beirut. I mean, I've never seen nothing like it. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. I mean, it went, you see the hatred. And then he, he, he went through someone, like I think Teddy or someone playing for Tottenham, First five minutes, he'd done them from behind, like proper, like took two footy tackle, and the crowd thought it was gonna be a riot. I was like, oh no, this is this is gonna be so nasty. And after the game, it's funny because we was all on the coach, and all the police were on their coach because the old stadium, it was like um, uh, a T junction. Rudolph's on the right hand side. You had to do a quick left, but usually you stop there and then go left. Police were going, no, don't stop the coach. We stop the road, go around there as quick as you can. And you're going to get some missiles thrown and whatever. So I always remember, and, I, and, I, and this is where Wenger was funny. He went, um, I went, boss, I've got an idea. And it all went quiet. I went, so why don't we get a big sign on the window? Because it's tinted windows, but you could just see through them. Soul sits here. At least they can get the right window. <laughs> <laughs> and Wenger was like, yes, Ray, good idea. We've got a big sign on the window. Soul's going, leave off. And we went ready to spend. I've never seen bowls. Oh, and we had a load of plates in the back. And it all comes crashing out. We thought the, the window had gone through, but it was the plates where we had our dinner on a coach on the way home. They all come out because he went round so quick. Quite great. Oh, mate. And that, that was, that was, I've never seen an atmosphere. Is that the most like intimidating that. atmosphere you played in? Well, I played in Galatasaray and people like, oh, what was Galatasaray? Greece are mad oh. as well. Greece, Panathinaikos, they've got the big bars up still. Thank God they have. I mean, they're, ah, they're going mad. Wow. All flares and all that. You know what I mean, but that was intimidating. But, for, for England's point of view, Millwall. Millwall's always intimidating. Yeah. You got the old den and Have all you that. Have you Millwall? Yeah, Millwall's wild, man, isn't it? Off, oh, Is it horrible? Oh, it's grown men. It's no wee kids, man. Yeah, yeah. So all them sort of places are, but Tottenham that day was, I've never seen an atmosphere like that. See, all these players that they've brought in, why do you think you were kept? Why have you never replaced? Because you played every week under Wenger, didn't you? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you've got to ask Wenger that. He, he seemed, do you think the personality had a lot to do with it? No, I've always done my job in the team. I was always like um, a steady player. I, I was consistent. I, I, I hate players. I, if I was a manager, I'd hate players getting 9 out of 10 and then getting 4 out of 10. I'd rather someone 7, 7 or 8 every week. Yeah. Just do their jobs, get on with it. And then, you, you know, I think that's probably the reason he picked me. And he's quite funny. I said to him, boss, boss, you realise I've got the Premier League all appearance record at Arsenal Football Club. And he went, you owe me a big favour for that. And that's what Ben <laughs> would say to you and laugh. You know yeah. what I mean, but I, I, I didn't believe I did it. And someone told me about it. I went, are you sure? Huh? I thought, I thought David Seaman or someone like that. He went, no, you've got it. So, How many? Uh, 333 Premier League games. 
Oh, so that, that, was, uh, that will be beaten, hopefully, by someone like Saka if they stay. But you've got to stay for a long period, like 12, 13 years, uh, playing every, every week, Port Mollis. 333. Did, he, did Wenger ever drop you for a big game? Yeah, he has done, yeah. He, he dropped me certain games. He dropped me once. To be fair, I, I got, I, uh, what happened? I butted the bar, I think. I was out one night. And I ended up getting a black eye. And I tried to say that I opened the door and hit me in the face, but I'd been out. And I, had, I, I remember being, I'll tell you where it was. It's Cafe de Parry, it was. And they had this like, wire. Young Frank Lampard was with me. He was out with his mate and whatever. And he had the wire seats. And as I tried to get off the seat to go to the toilet, I got my leg stuck in the wire. And I've gone forward and I've headbutted the bar and I had stitches in the end, six stitches in my in eye. Um, and I tried to say it wasn't. We had a day off the next day, but then I got a black eye. And, I, and he found out about it and uh, he dropped me for two games, I think it was. Incredible. But he didn't, he didn't find me. He should have fired me, really. I think he loved you, Vinger. I've got a wee feeling he, he loved no, you. No, he, he, didn't, he didn't find people. He was that sort of guy. He would take money off you. He, he would warn you, if you do that again, then you'll you be done. in big trouble. Yeah. You just won the league that year, dominated the 0102 season, didn't you? Um, yeah, yeah. See, at that point when you win that league and you've got the quality of players you've got and you've got Wenger and it's looking like top manager, do you think you're going to go and dominate for years? Yeah, yeah. If you keep everyone together. But again, people are ageing as well. I mean, you had, you had Tony Adams, uh, he retired 02. So he was, he was a player they're going to lose. Lee Dixon was still there. I think he, he went after that season as well. Um, I know Lauren was playing probably and Ashley Cole was left back then obviously Ashley left didn't he after a few more seasons uh, and people were ageing a little bit you know um, It's weird when you think back to that team though because you, I mean, you, you think that you're thinking on these Vieiras but see when your guys like Tony Adams not leave maybe that was it kind of they were the heart and soul with that David Seaman left the following yeah. year but Jens Lehmann come in who was a great goalkeeper as well uh, but yeah that 0-2 season was really weird because we played the cup final and then three or four days later we were playing Old Trafford to win a double, wow. where FA Cup final is always the last game of the season, usually. How did that? But we had two games left after the Cup final. I don't know how that worked out. I don't know why, but that's that's how we played. And so um, we went to Old Trafford four days later and managed to get the result we needed. Okay. One nil. Absolutely. And we had no one we had no Burkham. Have you heard the story about him after he scored his double at Wembley? No. Tell it. What's that one? The one where he told you, please, Ray, don't go out. Oh, that was uh, on the plane on the way home, yeah. So you, you scored I, a double I had, I had in the FA Cup? I had a beer on the plane, because you're buzzing, you just scored in a cup final. But I'm playing four or five days later, so I thought, that's, that's all right, we have a few beers, no problem. So I remember having a beer on the plane, and then Wenger seeing me, Ray, what are you doing? Boss, I'm just having a beer. No drinking. Big game Wednesday at Old Trafford. So I went, boss, it's Saturday, I'll be fine by Wednesday. So I went to the back of the plane where my mum my and dad, my brothers were there, my brother Jimmy, I said, Jim, get one of your beers. So I'm, I'm shitting with all the families now. Wenger's walked all the way down that plane. If I see you drinking once more, two weeks' wage is fine. In front of everybody. So I went, oh, I don't really want that, Jim. I'd better go back to the front. And so I got off the plane. I had a restaurant booked. Win or lose, I was going. I just started dating a new girl. I just got divorced. And obviously, I was starting out with someone else. And we had a table booked for two. And as I walked in, I always remember the guy had put a big bottle of champagne on my table because he was an Arsenal fan. He went, well done, today, very brilliant goal. I thought you'd buy you a bottle of champagne. I said, oh, okay. And I looked at the girl and said, should we have a couple of drinks? I don't mind. Okay, yeah, let's have a couple. You know what it's like. Everyone's congratulating you. I'm getting far too above myself now. Thinking, oh yeah, another bottle, another bottle. Next minute we're doing shots and tequila slammers. And, oh. and I remember falling over the bar, up a table walking out. I was so drunk because you're, 
you're dehydrated anyway from the game. You should be drinking water, I'm drinking champagne. So I go training next morning, Wenger's nowhere to be seen, he's on the training field, thank God for that, because he would have fired me, definitely. Yeah. He would have... So I laid on the mat, everyone's doing a warm down. So I go to go home to my mum and dad's house and I stop my local social club, which I told you about earlier, which is uh, outside. I walk in, everybody is back my first goal scorer because I'm local. And every, one of them guys had 2 0 Arsenal, me first goal score, 125 to 1 or something like that. So there they go, get me a drink, get me a drink. I said, lads, I can't drink today. I've got a big game Wednesday. I'll have one beer, I'm going. Pint of Guinness it was. And I end up, you know, it's like seven pints late, I'm still in the bloody bar. I've had a nightmare here. So my mum's fuming. I don't turn up for her dinner. Mum, I can't make it now. I'm going to go back to go home now. So Monday, water, non stop, bottles of it, bottles. I'm trying to get out of my system. Get to Wednesday, Old Trafford, I have a blinder. So we win the game 1-0. Um, so now I've sent all the lads, right, we're all going out tonight, China White's in London. I've, I've organised it all. Even Dennis Khan coming out. He wasn't, he wasn't playing that, that game. So I'm walking up the tunnel, Old Trafford, Sky Sports. Can we have a rub with you, Ray? Why is that? you got man in the match. I said, oh, what a week I've had here. Unbelievable. <laughs> So I've done my big speech saying, look, we know Burkamp, no one, we've got Will Tour, the Carnu, who've been brilliant today. Will Tour got the only goal of the game. And I've got a big bottle of champagne for being man in the match. That's what you got back in the day. So I walk in the dressing room, get in there, lads. We can have this on the bus on the way home. Oh, brilliant. Anyway, Venga, he went, I want a word with you. So I was like, I'm thinking, <laughs> definitely two weeks' wages fine, definite. Because he's found out that I've been out, something like that. Someone's told him, yeah. one of the staff, I don't know. He looked at me and went, you was fantastic tonight. Brilliant performance. One of the best performances all the season. I said, boss, what a week I've had. Scoring the cup final. Get man match at Old Trafford. Unbelievable. And he used to always look round. He went like that. And he went, do you know what it was? I said, no, boss. I stopped you drinking that beer on that plane. <laughs> so he ain't that good, is he? So when I went back, I was thinking, oh, I can't believe this. Yes, boss, you're the best manager I've ever had. And that's how it is. And we ended up going out that night that's in China Whites. We had such a great Phil night. Phil Team away. Yeah, everybody in their tracksuits. We, we all got the plane back to um, the training ground. Bob Wilson was there. Pat Rice was there. All, all the guys had got back earlier and they had all champagne set out for all the lads. Oh, amazing. And then we just kicked on from there. The coach waited for us to have a drink at the training ground. This is like, one and half twelve in the morning, right. and then we all kicked on on the back of the coach. Everyone was shining whites. Um, you ended up tucking me part race in that night. Well, he was, was there. I got him in for he you. I got him in for that night. Nigel weren't there. Nigel weren't there. Did Wenger go? No, he would have gone out. No, I don't. The managers don't mix with players. If I was a manager, I knew my players. I'm not going to go out with you for a night out. You just don't do. We got. We've skipped past the fact that he scored two goals in the FA Cup final. We'll just have it. Only one. Only one. Obviously, but it was an absolute belter, wasn't it? Yeah, first goal. Screamer, absolute. Freddie Lundberg scored. What was it happened again? Right foot, and I remember it bent at the top corner. Brilliant. A bit like that machine we had today. Yeah, talk us through it. So, does, who poop at the ball into you? Um, What's going through your head at the time? Chelsea were a good team then. Yeah. And, and, and I'm marking Petit, Mike's oh, teammate. He went there, yeah, he went yeah. Chelsea. At Lampard and Petit in midfield, me and Patrick in central. And it was Wiltrude who picked the ball up, put it into. And do you know when everyone keeps backing off? And they're probably saying, oh, look, I'm, I wasn't a, a, a prolific goal scorer for midfield like Lampard was. And you had a couple of runners from the left hand side, was Omri. And maybe Will Tord, I think it was at the time. And I think they tracked him. And I guess IE um, was, and he sort of kept backing off. And I was like 20, 25 yards out. And I thought, what? Well, got it out of your feet. 
And all you got to do is get the right bend. You can do it in training all the time. But in a cup final, you got you only get one chance to do it. In training, you might have four or five goes. And yeah, we cracked it now. We know, you know, you got it. And lucky enough, I just got the right... You Did you know, know straight away? Oh yeah, when it leaves your foot, you know you connected perfectly how you wanted to. Then it's down to the keeper. Whether it's high enough, that's the that's the big deal with it. And he got fingertips to it, slight fingertips. But lucky enough, bang, shot corn. Best feet on your foot. Well, it's in front of the Arsenal win. And oh. If you ever saw the Millennium Stadium back in but the day, it was a great stadium. Cardiff, I mean, mean, Wembley was great. Wembley, you can't beat playing at Wembley Stadium, but. When that was getting built, the new stadium at Wembley, that Millennium Stadium was electric. I mean, and if you've got pictures of it, you've got uh, everyone's in red that end, everyone's in blue that end. And the atmosphere was, because it's a London derby yeah. as well. And when it hit the back of the net, I've never seen, oh, it was unbelievable. And then Freddie, Freddie scored a great goal on Lundberg to make it 2-0. Very similar goal. John Terry got fast and he bent it. Great goal as well, Freddie. And, you know, but you, you're still thinking, right, we beat Chelsea, but we got to play Man United on Wednesday. Yeah. So yeah. was that the game your dad was crying? Yeah, 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 when he scored, yeah. And did you yeah. see him right after the game? Oh, yeah, he was buzzing. I mean, we we used to see your families after the game in the players' lounge or whatever. They, they go in there. Or even, even you know, back at the... Uh, we used to, have a, used to have a big party after the cup final. So you'll have it at the hotel where all the families go back. We'd come back later because we were getting changed and all that. But all the families would be, go back and have a big... Sopwell house, usually. It's St Albans. Oh, uh, there was a guy piped up though, Tim Lovejoy. Oh yeah, yeah. Did that annoy you? He's that? probably right, if I'm being honest. No, yeah, better players than me on the pitch. Would you see after that? So he's obviously said the line about it's only the parlour. Mm. Would you contact him and say, well, no, that's what you get? Funny enough, Ian Poulter's my good mate and he was going on his stag do. Just getting married and uh, Tim Lovejoy was invited to his stag do and he went. Wow. So I was there as well and I took a big, I knew he was going. So I took a poster because we made some posters of me. We were scoring in the um, May United game and me in the cup final to make it a double. Um, this is for Bob Wilson's charity at the time. So I took a poster to, to Tim. It's only Ray Parler and I give it to him. Brilliant. And he looks at it and went, oh, fuck's sake. Was he all right? But, though, yeah, was it? it was good as gold. You know, it's, it's no big deal, is it? Would that be your favourite season? That's a bit of banter, isn't it? No, I can't it's what I put Bradley yeah. Walsh, I still see Bradley every now and again. He said that was the best day I've ever had because of what happened in that comment because he was doing a commentary for Arsenal because they had the va fan zone back in the day, didn't they? Well, Bradley so, Lovejoy does a chase? Yeah, so Bradley was on Arsenal. We had the Arsenal shirt on and, and obviously Tim Lovejoy was doing okay. Chelsea and Bradley said, oh, after he said that and you put it in the top corner. Oh, that's that was amazing. He must have been buzzing. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, right, we're nearly there, right, but invincible season. Invincible season, one of the best teams in the history of football. Um, was that your last season at Arsenal? Yeah, it was my last Did season. Did you have an idea this, in the summer going into that season that it was going to be your last season? Uh, no, you want to try and stay as long as you can, but you still want to play football though. See, I got a right. massive buzz of playing the weekends. I mean, I, I, I put the training in every single day, and, you know, the effort in and whatever, but it's nothing worse. As you get older, it gets a little bit harder to play every single week, but it's nothing worse sitting in the stands and watching football. You know, when you know... You've been used to it all your life to play on a Saturday. That's where your buzz, when you're walking down that tunnel, walking on the pitch and all the fans start cheering, you won't get a bigger buzz. No. You probably miss it today. I miss that, you know, that, that factor today. You don't miss certain bits in football, but you certainly miss the uh, game day when you walk out. And um, So my situation was I played, um, I probably played quite a few games that season, 20-odd games, 25 games, but it, it was a little bit coming off the bench at times and whatever. 
so we won the, the, the invincible season um, and then I went and it, we had a young player coming through at the time Fabregas what a player wow and I always remember Wenger again using his joking humour side and I said to boss I said boss this kid Fabregas coming through he's going to be some player by the way he went Ray he's going to take your position <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed and he laughed and that's the sort of like that's the sort of relationship we had mm -hmm. but I said boss if I do, if I do leave make sure he gets my shirt and he went I promise you now if you do leave I don't want you to leave but you're not going to play you're going to play 15 games next year and I went oh 15 I'm, I'm 32 I've only got two more years left in my career because my knee was knackered anyway mm -hmm. so I was thinking what do I do now really and plus I just got divorced I thought I might do me a favour getting out of the area because yeah. everywhere I went it was all oh, about my divorce uh, oh, it got boring in the end mm -hmm. for me but up north, they didn't care less about me, the water. Yeah. And I thought, well, look, I don't mind a change. I'm gonna, and Middlesbrough at the time, they had some team. Going for know. it, wasn't they? They had some team. But yeah. looking back now, do you regret that decision? Uh, you you, you should never regret anything. You should never regret any, any football. There's a reason why I did it. Um, and it's, you know, you could stick. But I've got, the, if, I, if I'm going to regret something, I'd love to play 500 games. For Arsenal, I played four sixty-six in the end. If I stayed one more season, probably maybe I could have got there. That, maybe yeah. you know, playing in the League Cup and all that sort of because you have played in the League Cup most games. Uh, so you regret that a little bit because you'd love to be in that five hundred club. You know, there's not many players who can play five hundred times for for a club, any any club. So probably looking back, but the medals I've won, I've been so lucky. I mean, players I played with, very lucky. So I can't have no regrets in that. that that, that situation. That invincible season will never happen again, right? And there's been amazing teams I'm in the Premier League. I'm a big part every year when it doesn't. <laughs> and there's been some amazing teams in the Premier League. So what did that team have that others haven't? Uh, look, there was a lot of draws. Don't get me wrong. Man City went 100 points, didn't they? So I think Arsenal got 20, uh, 26 wins, 12 draws, wasn't it? So about 90 points. But one thing about that team was you had lots of people making impacts off the bench. You could... If, if certain key injuries like Burkamp, you had players to come in and do a similar job, not as good as Dennis Burkamp because he was a top player, but a similar sort of job as Dennis Burkamp, um, and they never knew when he was beaten. The, the team, the way every day in training, you could see the desire of players really working hard. 8v8s was a nightmare for Arsenal Wenger on a Friday because no one wanted to lose the 8v8, by the way. It was like proper tackles flying in and thinking, going, no, lads, we've got a big game tomorrow. But no one wanted to lose that 8v8. So if you put the 16 lads together, you know you've got a, a, an half a chance of winning. Yeah. And they never give up. And Wenger made some unbelievable changes at times. He played four up front. If we was 2-0 down, we'd rather lose 4-0 or get back and we'll draw 2-2. Two -two. And you've been Carnu on, Will Tour. And then you have Arn, you have Burkamp, Will Tour, Carnu and Henri up front. So you had half a chance of getting back in the game. You could easily concede another goal, but he, he just went for it. Yeah. And then once you got one goal back, the other team would crumble a little bit. They knew, oh no, and, and that's how, and you know, I think it was just the, the presence of the team as well. I mean, it, it was an unbelievable team and no one thought they could do it. We didn't sit down at the start of the season saying, right, we're going to go invincible this year. The season before, Wenger said, this team can go unbeaten. Did he said know? that, yeah, he said that. And Martin had a go at him, he said, you're putting too much pressure on us now. But he believed that it's not about 11 players on the pitch, it's about the squad he had. He had a really good, strong squad. Um, but no one expected us to do it and lucky enough, you know, we did do it. I mean, four, the last four games were the hardest. We won the league at White Lane, 2-2 two -two draw. Then we had Fulham, Birmingham, Portsmouth, 
and Leicester. On paper, we should be mm-hmm. no problem. Drew, drew two and one two, and uh, the last game we see one nil down to Leicester. Uh, he changed it in the second half again. We managed to get back in it one one two one one two one, and uh, yeah, as I said before, that'd be hard to do. Look, I wouldn't be surprised if someone did it again because we did it, and so it can be done. But it's, a, it's, an, it's an amazing achievement that you can because you always have one bad day at the office. Yeah, where yeah. You, you get. I remember Liverpool nearly done it. And Watford beat them 3-0 at Vickers Road uh, probably four or five seasons ago. And they was flying. That's the only game they lost all season. And they went down with Watford. So it just shows you yeah, that yeah. A, 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 a team in a relegation battle can beat you when you have an off day. And you've seen it, you know, with Man City and, and whatever, whenever an off day, they usually get beat now. Do you know think it'll ever happen again? Nah, never happen again. I'm never, never say never, but uh, I mean, hopefully it don't. If I'm if I'm being selfish, because you know you'd always go down in history of being part of that team that went unbeaten. Mm-hmm. At what point though was there, was there a point that actually you go we could go unbeaten? Now? Probably the press eight eight games to go, ten games to go. We were still not beaten. And uh, they start ramping it up more than we are. We we never talked about it in training. Do you think about it though going into games? Nah, not at all. Do you, know you try and win the game. Regardless. But you, you, you never talk about it in training ground. Around the training ground, it was never mentioned. Maybe when we won the league, um, that's the main priority, obviously, winning the league. And we had four games left, and they, they were vital. And that's hard as well, because you've won the league, you think, right, it's time to party. Uh-huh. In 98, we won the league, we lost 4 0 the next game to Liverpool. <laughs> we, we ain't bothered, though. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. suddenly, you've got to keep focused and keep going. And do you imagine the four teams you're playing as well? You they want to beat the champions the and they want to stop the run. So they're the team that stopped us. And obviously, Arsenal went on to uh, play, well, 49 games, wasn't it? Yeah. Unbeaten. See, just on the, again, just last week, but on this, the Old Trafford, the Man United drive already. Is that true the Van Easteroy thing was because of the Vieira sending off early in the season? Uh, Is that why you had to hump him? Well, that, that, yeah, that would have been why we had the hump, yeah. yeah. I mean, he got sent off and Patrick went mad and he walking off. And he was just, it was just a big game, you know what I mean? It was what was always, it, Gary and everything as well? Um, Gary piped up, didn't he, in the midfield there? I don't know. I mean, everyone was pushing each other and, yeah. you know. But most of the Arsenal boys got fined. I don't, I don't think Man United boys got fined. We got fined. I think I got fined 10 grand. Martin probably got a little bit more than me. Lauren, five. I think actually Cole, five grand. Yeah. Uh, which, you, which was a big hit. I was like... Mike, Mike, to be fair, Mike's wife. You just got ten grand for this. No, I was paying. I was paying no, I was paying Mike's wife forty percent of my future income at the time. So I only lost six. She lost four. So. <laughs> <laughs> he went as bad as you thought. <laughs> Bro, we're just going to do a Thanks. tiny wee bit on Middlesbrough, a wee bit about your England. But just in terms of the Arsenal career, is, it, is that the best time of your life? Oh, all, all day, all day long. Yeah. Some I mean, I was there as a young there. kid, wasn't I? So was I was that there. Sad day? Did, were you 20, 20 day years, twenty twenty-one years old. I went. I went well, my first game back at Ivory was Middlesbrough. I went into the away, uh, home dressing room. I've, I forgot I'm in the way in now, and I am. Wow. You know when you walk down the marble halls and um, you just automatically walk to the home dressing room, and it's just weird that you're in a, a different dressing room now. So see, when you play that Leicester game on the last day of the season, is that your last day at the club, or is there a couple of days after where you uh, go in and say bye? Um, I think we would have probably come in a few of the lads for like another day to just have a chat with everyone and finger say well done for the season and whatever. And then that would have been it. That was my last ever. That would have been it. You you do your deal during the summer, um, and you won't go back. That's well, you go back it. to watch them. If, no, I went to the two hundred five Cup final as an Arsenal fan. To hopefully they beat Man United, which they did. 
So you're a fan, really, then? Did That's you get it. one last day with the boys? Uh, I, w- I, w- I went to the party after the uh, 05 Cup final at Sopwell House, yeah. Oh, good, so man. all the boys were there. Wenger was like, having a drink with us, and that was good. Oh, bro. Must break your heart, that, wasn't it? No, I, must be a it's weird feeling he, driving he, away. It's just, it's just what, you know, it's, the the that's point. what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, you know, what, you can't stay at a football club for all your life, can you? A lot of people don't. And I, I was lucky to play there for 14, 13, 14 years, so... But was that so hard, though, then, when you leave to adapt to another club? That you've been um, for so long? The training method is totally different. It was weird because I've been used to really sharp training and... I went back to the George Graham era under, I'm not disrespect to Steve McLaren, and, and the, but he was a little bit longer. The concentration was going a little bit from the play because since, and I, I wasn't a player to say we've been for too it? long. No, because it's not my right. I've just walked into the club. Player, no. You know, if Steve McLaren asked me, what did you used to do in training? I'll tell him. So we do a lot more shorter sessions, and but it wasn't up to me to go up to the manager and say, this is too long. Cause mm-hmm. You just don't do that as, as a player. You just walked in the door. I, if, if I'm a manager and a player's just signed and he comes to see me and starts having a go at my training, you know, I wouldn't have him, if I'm yeah. being honest. So you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he asked, because he's taught us off camera, there was a wee chance of you going to Scotland early on in your career? Very early. I was about 19 then. Um, um, the late Walter Smith, who was a legend, obviously, great, great guy. He was the same agent as uh, my, myself. So at Christmas time, he used to come down, have our Christmas lunch, the agent to take you out and this is after my career really that I used to go out and, and whatever and Walter's always always had great fun with Walter he told me stories about Gaza when he was up there loud drops and Rangers at that time uh, and he said Ray do you know we tried to put an offer in for you um, when you was about 19 and I said did you because George Graham would never have told me Yeah, I probably wouldn't have gone because I was an Arsenal man through and through as a kid but I definitely got a new contract at Arsenal if I knew. Um, and he said, yeah, we, we would trebled your money. I mean, we knew what money you was on. We should try, we was on treble your money. I was wow. like, what? But George, obviously, he's, he's not going to tell because I was an up and coming talent. And he, he, if he told me, I would have been straight in for a new contract. Yeah, or, yeah, but I wouldn't have left, I don't think. I want one going to a game. We'll take, uh, we'll take you up. Come and say it has Alan Brazil's always said ma- to me. My man's looking for a new man. Yeah, Alan, Alan Brazil's <laughs> always said to me, come to an old firm. It's nothing like uh, any derby you're getting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different, out of this different, world. Yeah, exactly. Out of this world. So I think the atmosphere, I just like to. I don't agree with all the fans, the away fans, though. You've got to have more. No, you, you, you only get, get more ruined that, mate. They've ruined you that. only get a certain amount of away fans, don't you? It's only like 600 fans. Yeah, that's when it used to be, what was it, 10,000 or something? I get the full. Back so you really there. that makes an atmosphere. So wait till we'll wait for them to get that back, and then we'll bring you up. Absolutely. And what you stay his? Will you stay his? Absolutely. Yeah. Stay in her bed and all because she's. Well, she's. She's, she's single. I ain't, sing, I ain't sleeping with you, no. Sorry. No, don't be me. I'm oh. sleeping with my ma. Oh right. Oh yeah. Okay. She's single now. So <laughs> when Urban can sleep in his bed, and oh, you can yeah, sleep in his ma's bed. Paradise for you. Anyway, say Southgate. He played with Gareth Southgate. Did you oh. think then that he was going to go and be the England manager and? I don't think anybody I played with. You, but did they have that sort of? Um, yeah, he's always like, inquisitive. You know, in in in, uh, he was captain for Middlesbrough, and he was always very sensible. If I'm being honest, yeah, he, he, that's the way he was as a player, like he is now as England manager. He's not having a cobra bomb, is he? But he's done so well, wasn't he? No. I mean, I mean, he's got such a good young squad, though. I mean, no, he ain't having a cobra bomb. Blue wicked, wasn't it? <laughs> um, he'll have a pint. He he he'd go out and socialise at Middlesbrough and have a few pints or whatever, but. Nothing like that. Um, but he's done so well. Good young team, though. I think most, it's all about getting the right balance. He's perfect for the FA. You know, he's a perfect figurehead for the FA. He's done manager. a lot good, doesn't he? But there's also. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of pressure on him now because 
after the Euros against Italy, they got to there and semi-final in the in the previous World Cup. Um, you know, I was all disappointed going out to France, but I thought they played okay in, in patches. They could have maybe won that game. Um, just didn't have that extra experience to get over the line, maybe. But now the Euros is probably his last tournament, the next Euros. Right, yeah. So, look, if he don't perform there, he don't get to a final with the young squad he's got and the players he's got to pick from, then I can see a, certainly a change after that. So, what do you say? Did you make 10 appearances for, uh, for England, is that right? Yeah. Are you surprised you never made much more with it? I mean, mm. Well, it's always difficult because I was, I was like, if I'm playing right midfield, you had David Beckham. Beck, and he's, you're not gonna, he got 125 caps and he was never injured. Yeah. Mm. So you really in training, you want to try and kick him if you can because it gives you an opportunity. <laughs> Plus he plays for Man United as well, that would have been better. But David was a great player and, you know, it was very hard to compete with players like that. And then obviously you had Paul Scholes in central midfield, who was a magnificent player. Then you had this younger Je Steven Gerrard coming through, Frank Lampard. Mm -hmm. So they had a really strong midfield. Dennis Wise back in the day, Paul Lintz. So Stop. it was a very, very uh, competitive area midfield. Mm -hmm. So look, again, 10, 10 caps. I'd love to have got 20, love to have got 30, love to have got 40, but that's what it is. Yeah. I was in loads of squads and I loaded, made loads of money in the card school. So uh -huh. the card schools were brilliant. <laughs> who would be in the, the card school? Uh, well, we played three car break and it, it dangerous game. Uh, Alan Shearer, Michael Owen was, weren't very good. No. You could, I could read what he had. The worst press to read was Teddy yeah. Sheringham. He was very good. You can see he's good at poker. Wisey, Dennis Wise was very sharp. All the London boys were pretty sharp at yeah. saying, oh, I can tell he's got a good hand, I'm folding it. And it's, Free car break's all about when you get out. You might have a good hand, but it's no when you've been beaten. Right. To put it down. And yeah, it was it was a great car school though. Oh. See, so just this is I mean, we're just about to wrap it up. See, when you use that way, with Arsenal, Man United players not speak to each other. Man United have their own table. Did they? They had their dinner together. Yeah, and Glenn Hoddle should have probably changed that. That's not like that. You've got to mix. You've got to mix with different Can personnel because you no. could be playing alongside them, and you'll get know their personalities and whatever. No way. So um, he probably he made probably made a mistake in that that uh, that factor, um, but. No, we all spoke to each other. Of course you have to. You're in the same team, but you can see the rivalry between both sets of players. You know, I mean, we had Adams, Keown, Ashley Cole, myself in England squad at the time, probably. Uh, and then they had, they had probably eight, seven, eight players, didn't they? Mm -hmm. Neville's, Beckham, but Skulls, but Skulls uh, who else would have been in it? Andy Cole yeah. would have been in it. So Teddy Sheringham mm -hmm. when he was at United. So they had a, they had a big. Contingent. They had a big contingent of the England squad, definitely. Just quickly as well, sorry, Gaza in any of the squads? Any good Gaza squads? I love Gaza. Gaza was hilarious. I think the best one for me, Gaza, was uh, was when he was at Tottenham. Someone told me the story, one of the, uh, what he, he bought a camper van in one day and they was having a kick around in the car park like they do and he had the ladder going up the camper van at the back. Gaza kicked the ball on the roof of the camper van, probably on purpose. And he went to the guy, go and get the cat, go and, and it's, this guy was sort of done everything for the player sort of thing. So he's, he's going up the ladder, he's, he's gone in, he's gone and got the ball, and as he's gone across, Gazza's got in a, a van and drove off. <laughs> so Gazza, he's got him now, he's going down the motorway with the geezer on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the sort of thing you do, he nicked uh, the coach and crashed it. Um, and another time he went to the zoo and got a, an emu, 
because he was running too much at Tottenham. He, he put a Tottenham shirt on it and let it go off in the training field and he seemed he was running away. Incredible. He, that's the sort of guy he was. And Ali McCoy tells you some blinders at range. Uh, yeah. I mean, when he got into his house, when he was a burglar, and he's in his fridge making a sandwich Incredible. at two in the morning. And just, let, a, just a nutter. Later on in the career, a couple of other characters. This is second last question. When that John Parkin, how are they both? Oh yeah, John. Yeah, John was great. Yeah, John, John, I don't think he liked football really, John. Nah. And it was really weird because I turn up, I, I train with Arsenal Monday to Thursday, and then travel up Friday, train with the lads Friday, and then play the game Saturday and go back to London. I well, didn't you live were in Hull. At Arsenal Monday to Thursday. Yeah, when I played at Hull, and I was really getting sharp. And that's when I signed for Hull just for fifteen games. And to be fair, we stayed up. Me and Dean probably saved them, me and Windass. Was Windass good? Windass was great. I mean, was it, huh? I always remember, I was just staying in the hotel Friday night and he was staying in the hotel. Hey, should we have dinner together? I said, yeah, of course. We, yeah, no problem. I'll go down, have a, a bottle of water and have like pasta and like all good food. He'd have a big fry up and a pint of Guinness. <laughs> and I'll be like that. What's that, Dean? He'd go, oh, yeah, frack is white. <laughs> the next day, it's gone at trick. Uh, I said, incredible. don't change your habits. <laughs> have a Guinness uh, next week as well. Brilliant. That's the sort of guy he was. He was he was he was a great character, Dino. And he's he's a great character now, to be fair, when you go out of him. Last you bit. Right at the end here. Hardest opponent you played against directly up against? Um hardest I kick wise would have been Stuart Pierce. Pierce. He was go through the proper. Um what about, um, was tough in what about ability wise as in like oh fuck I Do you know what him? I played you, you look at probably abroad when you're playing Milan and and I, I said to you guys earlier didn't I Maldini oh, yeah. was some player. He was like a Rolls Royce, he's like six foot two Something, play yeah. centre half if you needed to, left back and he's just comfortable. And you couldn't run past him because he was quick. He's you know he was an all round top player. I mean good on the ball Good defender. Gorgeous. Because Italy, yeah, exactly. Italy, they, they could defend out there, couldn't they? Yeah. Oh. Back in the day, the defenders knew how to defend and he was part of that era growing up. His old man, obviously, being a top coach himself. So he was he was tough to play against. Favourite player to play with? I did play against a lot, but I remember when I did play against him, he was tough. Favourite player to play with? Your favourite player you enjoy with, playing with him? Um, That's it. Uh, Dennis was always great to play with because he was always read your mind. So if I'm running down a blind alley, if you like, and I've only got one pass, which would be there, but I can't really look there, he would read your mind and I'd pass it there, hoping someone's there, and it, yeah. usually it would be Dennis Burkamp. So he was a clever player, very clever. Read your mind, he, he knew where to run, where to stand. So people, you could pick him up at times. Centre-half couldn't go and pick him up, or the midfielder couldn't go and pick him up. Yeah. He was a very clever, how he got in, the, in between the lines. Like a number 10 now, yeah, like, yeah. like a De Bruyne for Man City or Odegaard even for Arsenal at the time, mm -hmm. who's playing very well. Yeah. He gets in good little pockets where he's really hard to pick up. Can't I believe it wasn't the winter, but... <laughs> <laughs> he was the yeah. first one, wasn't he? How do you look back in your career, Ray? As a My career? career? How do you oh, look back? As a unbelievable. I mean, very lucky. I always look back and say, you? absolutely, yeah. How many kids out there who, who grew up to be a footballer? To play in great teams, play with lots of medals, and uh, it was a dream come true. Uh, and people who have regrets, but you know, I'd love to have more England caps, of course. I'd love to have got 500 games for Arsenal, but there's a lot of great players out there, like Alan Shearer. What has he won in his career? What he won medal. Mm -hmm. So I'm very lucky in that sense to, to win loads of trophies and playing some great teams and have great memories of nights out and enjoying yourself as well, which was very, very important in my, my early career. Where's all the medals in this? Um, I've, yeah, I've got a few. I'll probably put them in, in the usually fruit pop machine them safe area. In the fruit machine? In the fruit machine. <laughs> yeah, not in the fruit machine. Uh, you'd probably 
put them in a bank and you, you get replicas. If you that's what you probably get in case you got burgled or whatever. Right. You get replicas, so you, you'll have them made up. So it looks like the real deal, but the real deal's in, in the, the safe area. Ray Parler, absolute hero. hero. But just before he goes, say si, you can hold that clap. If you had one last meal ever, starter, main and dessert, what'd you go for? I'm really interested. Do you watch my videos or not? You'd have a my, my wife it's got to be in the curry house. Right. My, my, my favourite food is curry. So if I probably had the last meal I could ever have, I would do have a little, um, like a chicken chat starter, oh, chicken nice. tikka starter maybe, as, you know, a bit of mint sauce on it, a few onions. Then maybe go for a hot one. Uh, I don't always have hot ones. Uh, like a, I love a, a Jalfrezi, um, Madraz. That's probably how hot I go, Madraz. But I love a Dupiazzi sometimes. I, I, I mix yes. it up every week. So I love a curry. So anything to do with curry, Cobra or Kingfisher, so wash it down. That's a perfect meal for me. And what's your dessert? Don't eat desserts. Do you know? No. Ray Parler. Fag. Ray Parler. Dessert, man. Super. Go on, Ray. Cheers, mate. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.